don't hit that skip button because I have huge news for you. The Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt lives. It is here. It is available to purchase. Oh, yes, I'm not kidding. We finally got our Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt out, and it's amazing. It is printed by the same company that prints for Cavity Colors and Fright Rags, which if you're a hardcore horror fan who buys a lot of horror t-shirts, I know I do, you know that's the very best and highest quality because we couldn't do anything less for our fans. It's an amazing full-color design designed by Jason Ragosta. It's very cool. It features a zombified myself, a zombified Damon, and it looks just like an awesome horror shirt because that's what we want because we're horror fans too. So we wanted to make a t-shirt that you could really sink your teeth into. Go to rewindofthelivingdead.bigcartel.com. Again, that's rewindofthelivingdead.bigcartel.com to get your t-shirt today. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. When 2023 began, we were immediately greeted by a dancing doll armed with artificial intelligence named Megan. And by March, we were once again being stalked by Ghostface, but this time in the streets of New York City. In April, the Deadites returned for a blood-soaked trip through Los Angeles. And by July, we were all dancing to Australian hip-hop and wondering if grabbing onto a severed and embalmed hand and saying talk to me would allow us to see the dead. September came with a familiar puppet asking if we wanted to play a game. In October, the power of Christ compelled us once again, and in November, we were promised there would be no leftovers after Thanksgiving. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to look back at the best and worst from the horror film industry in 2023 and reveal our picks for the top five horror movies of the year. Living Dead. I am Damon Martin. And I'm Patrick Guerra. And Patrick, it has come once again time to talk about the best and worst of the horror film industry for 2023. It is our best of episode. We'd like to close out every year with our favorite horror films. And we've kind of switched up the way we've done these last couple of years where we actually started injecting our categories. Uh, we're going to be giving away some awards. We're going to be nominating and, uh, and, and talking about some of the best performances. And of course, we are going to give our picks for the top five horror movies of 2023. Had a little fun with our intro there. I hope you enjoyed that. I, I had some fun writing the uh, all the months into the year of the big movies that yeah. came out. And uh, it was an interesting year in horror. And I got to start things off right here. And I didn't realize this until I was writing our intro. And I guess, I mean, I guess you could argue this is a lot of years, but it really did feel like this was a year where a lot of franchises either returned or were reinvigorated or restarted because like Evil Dead hadn't had a movie in a long time. Saw had kind of, you know, kind of petered away with the whole Chris Rock movie, the Spiral movie and uh, Scream, you know, back strong for another year, which we'll talk about that film at some point today. Um it was it was an interesting year the for nun. Fran, the, nun, the nun was back the exorcist of course which we'll get into yeah, the that. exorcist oh yeah uh, a <laughs> lot of franchises this year and a lot of new movies it was a it was an i say i probably say this at the start of every best of podcast it was an interesting year <laughs> it was an interesting year but i think what was most interesting for me was how different this year was than 2022 um I listened back to some of our podcasts uh, for our best of 2022. And Damon, we were on record as saying it might have been one of the best years in horror ever. 
Um, they, we really just got a lot of great new stuff, a lot of great franchise returns. Um, I think, I think the original work last year was like really, really strong. Um, not that it wasn't this year, but something just felt different this year for me, Damon. Um, I'll give you some stats from my end of things. I watched, uh, as of this recording, I watched 130 movies and 82 of them were horror movies. So that's, that's plenty of horror movies. That's more than one a week. Um, so I'm, I'm actually up, 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 uh, on, on pace for how many horror movies I watched, but truth be told, Damon, I was less bowled over by horror movies this year. That's not to say like, oh, horror's in trouble. There's no, there's no panic on my, on my, on my breath. Don't take it that way. But the last year, I didn't know what to do when it came around to top five. This year, I wasn't sure. I was like adding films that I probably, when I watched them, was like, well, it's not going to make my top five this year. But it was like on my list of potential top five movies. And, and I was like, wow, like this movie's or this year is kind of thinner for great horror movies than last year. But maybe last year is an unfair comparison, Damon, because last year was simply one of the best. Yeah, it's weird because last year I really had to think about how I was going to rank my top five. I had a pretty good idea what was number one. Um, that stayed consistent pretty much throughout the entire year. My number one yeah. last year was Fresh. Um, that one came out, I think in February, if I'm not mistaken. So that one survived at the top of my list for nine months, 10 months, um, when it came out. So that one was there, but then, you know, I had films like speak no evil and there were just a lot of other films that were kind of peppered in there that made it hard to really narrow it down to five films. I will be honest with you, um, not to bury the lead on when we reveal our top five movies later, I had six this year that could have been in the top five. There's one I left out that. I'm going to talk about when we talk about honorable mentions and I kind of feel bad leaving it out in a way, but that was pretty much my number. I didn't really have to struggle. And I'll be honest, my drop from number one to number two is kind of precipitous. Like it wasn't an argument in my head. Now, last year I was pretty confident in my number one, but there were a couple contenders that were like vying throughout the year that were pretty strong as well. This year, not so much this year. My number one stayed consistent with me. Number one for most of the year. And I would say number two, while I certainly enjoyed number two, I enjoyed all five films that I have on my list, um, I would say the drop-off was much steeper this year. And then what I noticed now, I, I need to do this next year. You got me on the on on track of jotting down every movie I watched throughout the year. I got to keep better track of that. I don't know the total number of horror films. I did go through all my streaming services and look at my watched list and I started compiling a list. So I don't think I reached 80. I think I got somewhere around like the 60 mark, 60 or 50, 60 or 70 mark. Maybe here's what I noticed in a lot of horror. And I don't want to start off our best of episode on kind of like a <laughs> negative tone, but here's what I would say. A lot of the horror I watch, new horror, I'm not going to talk about, we're going to talk about Best Missed later in the show, a film that we didn't see till this year that was out prior to 2023. What I noticed about 2023 is that I wouldn't necessarily say the horror films were bad or were poor. I would say my overall opinion in general for the whole year was a lot of mediocrity. Like, not bad, but not good like no a lot of the films that i was like oh i i kind of forgot i saw that uh yeah we're almost like and i went obviously i went back and looked at every film we reviewed this year all the new films particularly and i was like 
yeah, that was okay, or yeah, that was decent, or that was pretty good, but not a lot of standout. And I think that's kind of where I landed when I was doing my list and putting things together this year was it was just a lot of good, decent films, but nothing that, you know, not a lot of films that really blew me away. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that I think the subversion of expectations was what made 2022 so exciting is that there a lot of movies just flat out surprised us. We'll talk about um, uh, Speak No Evil, which I think was my number two movie on both my horror and my regular list of best movies of the year. A movie you just did not see coming like it, it just it, it has subverted every possible expectation of the horror genre. And then my number one of the year was Smile last year. That one was much more traditional. And, and it's like I had seen it before, but the scares in it and the way the, the darkness of it subverted a lot of my expectations where I think a lot of movies that you could compare Smile to hadn't done in the past for me. This year, there were a lot of movies, just like you're saying, I go, oh yeah, I saw that. And I remember just thinking, that's that's about right down the middle. It didn't surprise me. It didn't scare me. It didn't it didn't subvert any sort of expectation. So you you come away from this year going, well, cool. I saw 82 horror movies in my case. I'm glad I got to see 82 horror movies, but I didn't see a ton of horror movies that were like, holy shit, I've never seen this before until we get into my top two which were actually for me very difficult to choose between the top two. It was really hard because I think the top two movies for me this year were easily by far and away the two best horror movies that I saw all year long and I saw a lot of stuff. So yeah, it's it's more of that. And there's, there's movies, Damon, that won't even crest my top 10, my honorable mentions that a lot of people were talking about and in anticipating and anticipating, and I'm not gonna slam them or drag them here, but when I watched them or I got to see them early because I, I went to South by Southwest and saw a lot of horror there, I was just like, ah, like I've seen it before. There wasn't a reinvention in a lot of places this year. There wasn't a lot of reinvention of the genre. It felt sort of like a rehash. Yeah, I'll say this, and I know this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment. I feel like there were a lot of B minus films this year. If we were putting grades on them, you know what I mean? Like B minus sure. isn't bad. That's not, not a bad, that's not, not a bad, bad grade, but when you talk about the best of the best, you want A's and you want A pluses, you know what I mean? And I think there was a lot of B minus C plus films this year. And I think that's really kind of what I came away from it with is like, they were good or they were decent. They were not films that I'm just like revolting against where I would just, you know, it wasn't Halloween ends where I'm like, I never <laughs> want to see this again. And I'd rather get stabbed in the eyes than watch this. There wasn't a lot of that, but there yeah. was a lot of like, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, you know, it was all right, you know, and that's, again, I think that's just the general consensus for the whole year. Now, were there some standout films when we get to our top five? Absolutely. There were a couple of really good standout films, a couple of um, franchises that surprised me this year, that genuinely Mm -hmm. surprised me this year, a couple letdowns in that category as well, Um, but there were some original fun films, um, and yeah, like I said... This was just an odd year because last year there were two or three movies that I could honestly say will probably end up if I had to, if you're forced me to nail down and say, name your top 100 horror films of all time. There were a couple, three candidates last year that said, oh, absolutely. They're going to make that list this year. There was probably one that really stood out to me as like head and shoulders above the rest of the crowd. 
And then there were a couple that were pretty good. And then there were a couple that were, yeah, they were good. Um, and I enjoyed them. But it was a harder year to rank. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was an easier year to rank than it was last year. Last year, I really struggled. This year, I didn't struggle as much. Actually, what I struggled with was coming up with a full, like I named, I think I listed 12 total movies that were in contention and I eliminated like five pretty quickly. Like that just right. wouldn't, that just wouldn't make the mark for me as far as like best. Um, right. And then when I got down to the six, I really did get conflicted about one particular choice. And then the other five, it was just more about ranking. And number one was pretty solid. Number th- two through five was like, okay, you know, I can kind of flip flop here and there. And I did flip flop a couple of them, but it was, you know, the thing is, is we've been, I will say this when we talk about like kind of putting a negative spin on the year. And I, I promise I'm not trying to do that. Um, I will say this, the horror industry as a whole is healthier than it's ever been coming out of the pandemic because the horror film industry became arguably outside of a couple of blockbusters like Barbie um, this year and Oppenheimer and a couple others horror for the last couple of years really has been a savior to the, to the movie theater industry because horror films suddenly started overperforming at movie theaters more than some comic book movies like Marvel's had a terrible year. Like Marvel has not had a good year at all, which that was like, you know, they were the, you could literally print money at the freaking box office every time they put a movie out. Now people are like, eh, I'm kind of not yeah. really into Marvel anymore. Horror movies come out the word, you know, when Barbarian came out, the word of mouth buzz with that movie, blew it up. Smile came out, blew it up. Word of mouth. When exorcist comes out now and it's number one at the box office or, Five Nights at Freddy's, which we were not fans of, but when it came out, boy, did it do gangbusters first weekend at the box office and continues to, you know, have some big moments on streaming and things like that. That's what I'm talking about. Whether I love it or I'm, you know, kind of middle of the road with it, horror has continued to find momentum and build momentum over these last few years coming out of the pandemic. And that I love. Whether I'm a massive fan of Five Nights at Freddy's, doesn't diminish the millions of people who paid and wanted to see that movie and enjoyed it. I always say whether I love or hate a movie, go see it and judge for yourself. But that part, whether I like or dislike a movie like five nights of Freddy's, the fact that it did so well is good. That's good for the horror film industry. Absolutely. Uh, Last year, smile was the highest grossing original idea in all of box office at all period so all the other ones were existing ip you know the mission impossibles the marvel stuff the dc stuff this was the like last year smile was the original thing that made the most money at the box office and horror continues that trend this year um still making good money at the box office yeah i didn't love five nights at freddy's i want it to do great and every year i want it i want more Five Nights at Freddy's costumes for the kids and all that stuff. It's just good for us. It's good for us that horror stays up in the higher ranks of um, of the box office because that means we get more of it. Um, and 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 the the sensibilities of of moviegoers has changed. I see now our our YouTube comments and our comments on Instagram. Like people have a lot to say about the movies that are out. Like the fact it's not like in the in I think with in the 1980s when there was sort of this oversaturation of horror, they they're also the audiences weren't as sophisticated back then. They were like, I don't know, just show me, you know, blood, guts and boobs. That should work now. Like they want the nuance. They want the storytelling. They it's all going to be there. So like it, so we have leveled up as a genre. And and I think we're, we're just going to continue to get 
more and more great horror films that will be talked about, you know, for for horror history, which is great. I mean, I, I, it's an embarrassment of riches. 82 horror movies I saw this year, Damon. Almost 100 horror movies I got to see this year. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. And I will That's say. That's what I want out of my life. Yeah. And I also say, I want to throw this out there. One other thing, I think what, what I appreciate about horror in 2023 is that I think the, the movie industry as a whole and the audience going movie industry as a whole has learned to judge horror and the success of horror on a different level than what it used to be judged on. When Friday the 13th was churning out a year of movie every single year, that was a guaranteed box office for that studio for new line cinema. Same thing with nightmare on Elm street. When they were doing franchise, they were rolling them out. Now, did the product get diminished because they were just chucking them out there year after year and, and just basically throwing anything at the canvas in hopes that it would stick? Yes. And that did hurt. And that's why in the 90s, from 90 to 95, horror really suffered. It was a struggle for horror to survive during that time. And then Scream came out in 96, reinvented the genre, and, and horror movies took off again. Then we had the 2000s where kind of things were back in, the, you know, back in the mud a little bit. And then we picked it back up, and these last few years have been arguably maybe the best years for horror in the movie theater industry since the eighties. Yeah. Here's what I'll say though, is that I think where I talk about horror is being judged differently is that I think terrifier two was a great example of that. Terrifier two made about $16 million at the box office. That's really not that much money when you think about, you know, a Marvel film or, or Barbie earning a billion dollars. That's, that's peanuts compared to that. But what I appreciate is that a film like Terrifier 2, and I know this is going back to last year, they had a $250,000 budget. I think Terrifier 2 was like $800,000. No, it was, two, no, it was $250,000. That's what it was. It was very, uh, very I rare. heard some different things in, in some back channels that weren't maybe posted publicly. That's what Damien Leone said publicly. The first one was made for like right. fifty grand. The second one was made for two hundred fifty grand. Anyways... It was a hundred. It was eight hundred grand. Doesn't matter. The point yeah, is, it, still, made, it yeah. made sixteen times its budget, and I think that's what people are starting to judge it for. We're not saying we're no longer saying, oh, it wasn't a five hundred million dollar movie. Look at Scream Six that came out this year. Scream Six made I think like one hundred fifty million dollars at the movie theater, or whatever, and I think it was on like a fifteen million dollar budget or ten million dollar budget, something like that. It was very low, mm -hmm. and you're making ten times. And I think people are starting to finally appreciate that just not only earning back your budget. But making 10 times as much is a win. That's a win. You know what I mean? Now, horror is a good investment. Yeah, yeah, like Oppenheimer made a lot of money, but they also spent $200 million making that movie or whatever ridiculous amount of money it was. You know what I mean? Like, that's like it's being judged differently now. Like, that's why when I say Marvel's had a down year, that's why because you spend $150 million making the Marvels and it only makes $100 million the box office. That's a massive loss. That's a yeah. huge loss. $50 million. That's why I say that when like a film like Evil Dead Rise or Five Nights at Freddy's or The Exorcist Believer or whatever, they open number one and they earn a pretty good you know, chunk of the box office and they make back their budget and then some. I think the film industry as a whole has not only started to embrace horror more, but they've, they've embraced the profitability. Yes, mm -hmm. you're not going to draw. You're, there's no way you're going to drop. Five Nights at Freddy's and it's going to make $200 million or $100 million on opening weekend or whatever it is. They're not, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be Barbie. But if you spend $15 million to make it and it ends up making $85 million at the box office, you've just five, you've made five times as much as your budget. 
six times as much of your budget. That's a huge win. I think that is where horror is finally being judged differently and being judged properly, in my opinion, because horror films don't get these massive, inflated, bloviated budgets. A horror film getting a $10 million budget is a pretty big deal. Like, that's a pretty remarkable accomplishment to get a $10 or $15 million budget on a horror film. Most of them have peanuts compared to that. But then you go out and do what Terrifier did, or you go out and do what Talk to Me did. Talk to Me is, you know, probably the biggest case scenario. I can't remember how much the Philippi brothers had for that film. But it, I think it was around four million. I think. Yeah, and what did it make at the box office this uh, year? A couple hundred million. Yeah, yeah I mean so. that's so that's what I'm talking. And I think that is where people like will talk to me end up on the top ten highest grossing films of 2023. Probably not because it's not. It's not Barbie. It's not Oppenheimer. It's not you know one of those films. But studios and executives are starting to realize that if I can put together a pretty good horror film and the word of mouth and the buzz is going to get going, I can take a $10 million budget and turn that into a $100 million film or a $90 million film. And I've just made back nine times my money on a film like that. And that says a lot about that. And, and again, you know, horror film directors have been picked up and moved on to other genres and made successful films that way. So I think if I want to applaud the horror industry on one major thing, that's the biggest is that I think the film industry as a whole has started to really embrace horror and realize that yes, scream six or scream, whatever number is not going to beat out Barbie at the box office. But if you can put a $15 million budget and it makes $150 million, you've now made 10 times as much money back as you invested in this movie. That's a win. That's a win. It, it changes the reputation. We don't we are no longer the reputation as the B movie genre, the the, the genre you you wave aside at some point down the road, Damon. They're going to get to the point where there are going to be horror movies consistently getting um, uh, awards talk like that's eventually going to happen. Now, that's its own subset of, of horror itself. Right. Like like the awards type movies. But they're out there and they exist especially as genres what i've noticed overall for movies in 2023 is that genres are starting to blur and horror has been blurring genres from the get-go it's been murder mystery uh you know drama comedy all, all indie experimental art we've been doing it in horror but now all the other genres are catching up and going yeah we kind of need to blend everything we kind of need to be a comedy a drama even a little bit of horror we'll talk about that i actually have some some movies that 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 fill that particular need um but no longer is horror going to be looked at as sort of just the the afterthought of the business horror is a money maker it is it is one of the few money makers in the business in this world of streaming these days so you know, congrats to us, Damon, really, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a huge part in that. Uh, also, to get my numbers correct, I just looked it up to be sure. Scream 6 cost around $33 million to make, so it was a higher budget, but it made $170 yeah. million at the box office. That's still a massive win. Like That's and that's a big studio movie, too. It's owned it by a studio, so yeah, that, that's, that, it's not a crazy thing to put up. It's still a low budget, actually, for a studio. Oh, what, what, very low budget, and it still made four times its money. <laughs> like, it still made more yeah. than four times, five times as much money as what they put into investment. So, yeah. and uh, I'm looking at talk to me here, four and a half million dollar budget and a gross 90, 91 million dollars worldwide. Yeah. So 
that's yeah, huge. That's insane. 20 times. Yeah, that's insane. There's a reason why they greenlit a sequel like immediately. Like, yeah, we need more of this. Um, and I think that's <laughs> yeah, A24 where horror- is like, hey, cool. We just made a bunch of fucking money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Which A24 was not known as a money making studio. And now they are to the point. And I'm not saying like talk to me was the only reason, but it's a big reason why A24 was like, we're going to start making like big action movies, too. Like we're going to make we're going to be able to make everything because we make money on these horror movies. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about is, like I said, studios for a long time. It was all it became all about the blockbuster. And I get that it did. But then the pandemic happened and no one could go to the movie theater and they had to find other outlets to release movies and people get people interested in horror. Horror kind of took over during that time. Horror kind of mm-hmm. came over. There were still low, but lower budget horror movies. And then when they people started quietly filtering back into film the, into theaters, they were like, oh, I'll go see Barbarian. I'll go see this. I'll see that. And people started to realize, hey, a $20 million budget that makes $100 million. Like, yeah, it's not making a billion, but that's still five times profit. If we put out 10 of those a year, guess what? We've now matched what a big Marvel movie would have done or a big DC movie would have done. Or, you know, you look at like The Flash, which was terrible. That movie was awful. And they put, you know, $250 million or whatever. I have no, I didn't all have the numbers in front of me what it made, but even if it made $400 million, it's still ultimately going to end up being a loss because all the money put into marketing and all that kind of stuff, it just ends up being where you're breaking even or at the end of the day, maybe you make $50 million. But guess what? A24 just made double that would talk to me on a $4 million budget. And that's where I'm talking. I think these two, well, A24 is a little different because they're an indie studio. Anyways, they're not a big, you know, they're not Sony or, or um, Warner Brothers. Not yet. They aren't, but that's what I'm getting at here. And that's again, even though I'm a little down on the quality of horror films this year, saying there weren't as many, just number one, a plus movies for me. I still applaud the film, the horror film industry as a whole, because we're still holding tight. We're still putting out quality enough projects that people are willing to spend their money to go to the movie theater and see it. And you can take a 10 or $15 million budget and turn it into a hundred million dollar movie. And thank you to the fans out there, not just the fans of the show, which we worship you and love you because you keep us going every week, but just the fans of horror in general for showing up and continually proving that we're a genre that will never go anywhere. Absolutely. So with that being said, it is finally time to start getting into our best of 2023. In a weird way, though, we're actually going to travel briefly back to 2022. And our first category this week is just kind of closing out the year. Last year, coming into 2023, you and I named our two most highly anticipated films of 2023. And then obviously the year came out. We are now at the end of the year. We wanted to kind of react and give our opinions on how those two films turned out once we actually saw them. So I'll allow you to go first. I'll name your films. I know you've got mine. So I'll kind of start here. Your most anticipated movies coming into 2023 were, if I'm correct, if I'm getting this correctly, Evil Dead Rise and mm-hmm. The Exorcist Believer. Those are the two films that were your most anticipated Coming into 2023, how'd they do? Well, uh, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Evil Dead Rise came and I was very excited to see what it was all about. Um, I will say this. I think it kicked ass. Um, I I think I think it was a great addition to the genre, uh, to to the uh, to the franchise, excuse me. Um, And and I was very uh, curious to see because I knew it wasn't going to be a Fetty Alvarez sequel. It was going to be something completely different. And uh, we might even be talking about Evil Dead Rise a little bit later in the show. Uh, So I won't spend too much hot air on it here. But I will say as far as anticipation goes, yeah, that one lived up to the hype. Exorcist Believer, again, 
We'll be talking about that later in the show, so I won't get too much into it here. Um, but again, uh, but I will say this, and it's something about our, our extended intro there. We were talking about a lot of C, C plus, C minus movies this year. Exorcist, Exorcist Believer kind of fell into that range for me as like, oh, this is a movie. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about those ones later, Damon. But your most anticipated of 2023 were, if I'm not mistaken, Scream 6 aka ghostface takes manhattan and a movie sick which was actually a, a rather small release but it was it was written by or was co-written by kevin williamson so how did those movies go for you as far as your anticipated movies of 2023 and for the people that don't know the name specifically kevin williamson is the guy who wrote the original scream he created scream and scream 2 he's the original uh writer behind those so that's where it came from i would say I had better luck with my most anticipated movies than you did, Patrick, because uh, Scream 6 exceeded my expectations, I'll be honest, because Scream 5, I really did enjoy it, but I still had some issues with it. I think Scream 6 surpassed it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the change in venue and, and, and you know, switching locations and kind of moving into this new age of Scream characters, moving beyond everyone who was in the original Scream, the original first Scream film was a good idea, even though I disagreed with not paying Nev Campbell her money. Um, I think that one exceeded. I feel like I'm going to be talking about Scream 6 a little later as well, not to bury the lead in what's happening this year. I would say Sick was was fun. It was a, it was a perfectly fine slasher film. Um didn't blow me away didn't disappoint me necessarily we reviewed it so you can go listen to that podcast last year i enjoyed it um that's a film that i would say fell into that like b minus range for me it was good it wasn't great didn't blow me away isn't a film that i'm really rushing to revisit but again b minus still isn't that that bad like it's not it's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination there's a lot of films i watched this year and reviewed this year that i never want to see again uh i wouldn't put sick in that category it was fine like i, I don't i don't understand here's my biggest qualm coming out of that one is like i don't understand how kevin williamson doesn't have more stuff like he's such a well i don't know did he piss off somebody or something like i don't know why this guy isn't writing more films uh because he's still pretty good at his job like he had no budget and a, basically a cast of like four people in that movie sick and it was pretty decent like it was all right you know so i don't know what he did to, i don't know why he's not getting more jobs in hollywood as a screenwriter but i don't I have no idea why but yeah it was it was decent I mean, he does have that old school scream money, so he probably doesn't work as much as other. I'm just true. totally guessing here that he's like, eh, I don't need to work. And if I if a bug is under my ass, I'll go write something. Yeah, that could be true, too. He may just like, I'm just writing for me these days. Like, I'm not writing for anybody but myself. So maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm, you know, genuinely maybe. curious. Though. I mean, he had a hell of a run for about 10 years, Oh, I mean, uh, like a hell of a run scream i know what you did last summer the faculty like he was on a run there so yeah, yeah. and yeah, dawson's creek let's, not, movies let's that, not forget you did dawson's creek like that's his show like that's yeah all these things were very good for him so so if so excuse him if he's just uh you know lounging on lounging on the deck watching watching the birds go by because i don't think he he needs to bend over backwards to write stuff these he days he might be lighting his cigar with a hundred dollar bill right now laughing at us <laughs> be like ha 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 these bad these assholes think i'm out of i'm out of work or something right now <laughs> yeah he might for all i know 
Yeah. So let's get into our first category. We're going to kick things off with our best of, like we do with every one of our categories during the show. We're going to give our Oscar award, so to speak, our, our, our rewindy, if our rewards are called something here. Uh, we're going to give our rewindy. I just named that right here on the spot, by the way. I didn't make that up before the show. Uh, we're going to give our first award to best performance for 2023. So, Patrick, I'll turn it to you first. Who was your best performance in horror in 2023? Shall I read off the nominees? Feel free. Or did you have did you have any extra nominees besides the ones I gave you in the email? Um, I probably had a couple other ones, but I'm not too I'm not overly concerned about that. So you name off the ones you had on there, and then tell me who got number one. So my nominees were Dave Bautista for Knock at the Cabin, Mia Goth for Infinity Pool, Alyssa Sutherland for Evil Dead Rise, Nicolas Cage for Renfield, Sophie Wilde for Talk to Me, and Tobin Bell for Saw X. And my winner of the 2023 best performance goes to Mia Goth for Infinity Pool. Now, if that name sounds familiar, well, she just might be the queen of horror right now. And she won your best performance last year for, for 2022. Uh, Mia Goth in Infinity Pool this year was as villainous and scary as anybody could ever be without ever, she wasn't like a killer. I mean, she was, but it wasn't like in any traditional sense. She was just somebody who goes on vacation and does real fucked up shit on her vacations because she can. And Mia Goth is, uh, I think, one of the most tremendous actors working right now. And it really showed off in Infinity Pool. And I think she made the movie memorable for me. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of how I've been judging my best performances uh, for overall for the year is, is who made that movie unforgettable and it certainly for me was mia goth so to be clear you and i do not discuss these categories beforehand we have no idea no. what we're going to pick it's kind of part of the fun of doing these best of podcasts because we get to be surprised by our own selections which you know makes it fun for the podcast had no idea you were going mia goth because my best performance in 2023 also goes to the uh fantastic performance by mia goth in infinity pool <laughs> she was also my number she was number one last year she was my best performance in 2022 she is now also my best performance in 2023 uh, not because there weren't other good performances. There were. There were a lot of new people that I see. Sophie Wilde, you mentioned, of course, and talked to me with somebody I'd never heard of before seeing that film. She did a fantastic job in that movie, which I enjoyed so much. Um, as you mentioned, Alyssa Sutherland did a great job in that film in Evil Dead Rise. There were a lot of good performances this year. That Again, even though I was a little down on horror overall, um, I would even argue Kiernan Shipkin, Totally Killer, was a lot of fun for a horror comedy. There were yeah. a lot of solid performances. But me You could have said Justin Long for It's a Wonderful Knife. It, too bad the movie was was not It's a Wonderful. I'd rather take a knife to the throat than say that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would say Mia Goth continues to steal the show. And and obviously, listen, we may we may very well be mentioning her again in 2024 because Maxine, Maxine. is yeah. coming out next year and that is the third film in the in the in the uh trilogy of Ty West from X to Pearl and now Maxine. She's just incredible. And here's what I love about Mia Goth from last year to this year. And this is a weird comparison and a weird analogy to make. She reminds me so much of like a modern age 2023 Nicolas Cage. Yeah. She takes immeasurable chances and continues to hit. Now, I will say this for Nicolas Cage. He takes a lot of chances, doesn't always land. But I appreciate that he just goes for it. Like it or not, he goes for it. And I think that's what Mia Goth does so well. 
when she's barking at Alexander Skarsgård's character when he's on a bus trying to escape this hellacious vacation he's been trapped on, and Mia Goth is in a car with all of her other rich pals taunting him from outside the car saying, where are you going, James? <laughs> and it's just so over the top that I absolutely adored that performance. And again, I can't say, well, Mia Goth, maybe take a chance somewhere down the road and miss. It's possible. Sure. She's going to do a big Marvel movie with Blade. Maybe that will just, maybe they'll try to rein her in and it won't be as good of a, I have no idea. But her chances, it's like she, it's like she's playing um, blackjack and she just keeps getting a 21 every single time. Yeah. She was that good in Infinity Pool. She was. I mean, really, I mean, for a movie that, um, that, that might've kind of gone uh, off our radar, it, it, it hinges. It's, I actually really liked infinity pool. Truth be told, like, but you're right. You're, you, you fucking nailed it. It is a very Nick cage performance where it's like, this is borderline unhinged. This is borderline one testicle award, but it works really, really well. Like it's just somehow like she just continues to pull it off. And even when, you know, if you go one, one or two or three feet further to the right, <laughs> it goes completely off the rails. It goes full on. Testicle. <laughs> but <laughs> Then, you know, you get Pig, you know, where it's just like this subdued, yeah. brilliant performance. Mia Goth just continues to pull him out. So two years in a row, not by planning, by the way. I had no idea I was going to pick her a second year in a row. But she gets the rewindy for best performance in uh, in 2023 as well. And from both of us, again, totally unplanned. Yeah. Totally unplanned. Yes. To, to, to reiterate, we do not share our picks ahead of time. This is all we're going in blind, folks. Yeah, so let's talk about the best franchise, because I mentioned earlier that a big part of horror in 2023 were a lot of franchises kind of being reinvented or reinvigorated, and dormant franchises at that. Evil Dead is a great example of that. There are not really, I mean, there had been, obviously, Fetty Alvarez's film came out, what was it, 2013? Yeah. Um, so it's been 10 years, but I'm talking about, like, tying back to even Army of Darkness, which was, you know, early 90s. So that... That film was reinvigorated. Of course, we also had Scream, which had been around. They reinvigorated that with Scream 5. That was the first one back in a, in a decade. Uh, we also had uh, it, The Exorcist, which The Exorcist has not necessarily stopped making films. I would argue they probably stopped making good Exorcist films once Exorcist 3 was over. But uh, The Exorcist came back to life, and that was such a big marquee moment this year, especially bringing back actors from the original film and everything. So... Patrick, for you, what was the best franchise in 2023? I ultimately went with one of the more dormant franchises. I went with the Evil Dead franchise. I thought Evil Dead Rise was a rather great uh, addition. Like, you talk about Fetty Alvarez's version of Evil Dead, which some could argue, I think maybe we did figure out that it is indeed in the actual Ash timeline. It exists in the Ash timeline. I think. Yeah, I think we did. But, yeah, I think they yeah, I think they had mentioned that, like they were talking about doing it, adding an end to the whole thing. So, yes. Yeah. So 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 th and this this movie now diverts entirely away from any of that. They change the venue. They change it to a high rise in Los Angeles. Um, with all new characters and all new deadites. And I was just, I was very, I was very pleasantly surprised because it felt fresh and new, much like Scream. When, when Scream introduced like a whole cast of new characters, you sort of get the idea that like this franchise can really live on and have a ton of potential going forward. 
I would totally agree. And this one nearly got my pick as well. Again, totally unplanned. This one was almost mine. Like, damn, are we going to have the same pick on every category? <laughs> this one almost landed top for me. And I, here's my reason why. I've never been a massive Evil Dead fan. I've sa- I said this when we did the review for this and we did Fetty Alvarez as Evil Dead. I've said multiple, and even though I can say now, honestly, I re- I love Fetty Alvarez as Evil Dead and I really loved Evil Dead Rise. I was not the Evil Dead kid. I didn't grow up being like, oh, I love Bruce Campbell. I love those yeah. movies. I've said many times the films that are so kind of goofy that they become comedy when they're not really supposed to be comedy don't really land with me that often. So I'm not like a massive Evil Dead franchise fan, but I would say this one really surprised me this year. So that I would agree. That was a big win. For me, my best franchise, and I know it's going to be generic, and I know a lot of people are going to say, I saw this coming. But my best franchise was Scream. And the reason I gave it to Scream this year was one big reason. It's because Scream 6 ended up being a better film than Scream 5. Now, again, to be clear, I liked Scream 5. I had flaws with Scream 5, but I still really enjoyed it. It was a, I was so happy to be in the movie theater watching that film. And I saw it a couple times in the movie theater. Scream 6 surpassed that. And the magic trick they pulled with that film, which I kind of mentioned earlier, even though I hate what they did to Nev Campbell, that they didn't want to pay her, and so that's the reason she didn't come back, they finally moved the franchise forward. And I love the twists and turns in that movie, that they went away from it's all about Sydney and Woodsboro, and they moved it on to this next generation of characters. And I loved that. And I loved that they and they made it interesting. It was fun. It was brutal. Some of the most brutal kills in that entire franchise history. And once again, I say this as an adoring, lifelong, you can see it behind me, lifelong Nightmare on Elm Street fan, which I always still call my favorite franchise. But Scream is the most consistent franchise. There's yet to be a tr- everyone hates Scream 3. I still think it's a pretty good movie. I still enjoy Scream 3. It is the most consistent horror franchise in history, but there's not one bad scream. There are bad Nightmare on Elm Street films. There are bad oh, yes. Fridays. There, there are bad Halloween films. There's not a bad scream film. And the fact that they are now in part six that came out this year and it was still really good blows me away. But there's also not any bad Leprechaun films because they're all bad. Yeah, they're all terrible. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes, there's no bad one. They just they're all. Yeah. That's the setting that they're at. So, but I had to, to be. Give, I, let's be fair to Leprechaun. That's true. Thank you, Leprechaun, for your <laughs> consistency. We appreciate that. But no, I just I, I again the consistency. That's what I'm saying. Like, do you realize how hard it is not only to get to six films but make six films that are like totally watchable? Yeah. No, they are. And I had fun, you know, and I've never been a big Scream guy. Truth be told, I never. I don't think I saw any of the Scream movies. Man, that's not true. I, I think I may have saw Scream 2 in the theaters. Um, but it's not a it's not a franchise that I have latched onto, but I've never been disappointed by it. Yeah. Ever. And uh and I and I really had fun at the movies this year with Scream 6. It was just it was just it was just good old fashioned horror fun, even though I think some people can play that it was like the most serious scream of all. I was like, good. It could be fucking serious sometimes. That's not yeah. a big deal. Let it be serious. It was it was good. I like the new cast. I, there, I have a feeling we might be talking more about that later. Uh, I, I won't predict the future, but um, 
another franchise where it's like, oh, it can live beyond its original roots. This thing can keep going. It's complete. It's a completely functional franchise without ever having to pull back on on any of its old uh, old stories. It's a magic trick to go this long and not make a bad one. Honestly, it really is like befuddling to me to how they did it for six films. All of them have been pretty at worst at worst pretty good. <laughs> that's a right. That's an achievement, man. Because I cannot say that about any other horror franchise out there. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Best Kill. Uh, there were, in horror, safe to say, a lot of kills this year. Narrowing it down to one. Mm. Patrick, what was your best? I swear to God, you're going to pick the same one as me. I can already tell it. You can feel it. What is your number one best kill of 2023 in horror? Well, I could not get over, and I think probably most days at some point during the day, I wake up and I think about little Santino from When Evil Lurks, <laughs> and it's just his lifeless flopping head as his mother walks down the street maniacally uh, feasting upon his brains. That kill from When Evil Lurks uh, sticks in my craw, Damon, in a way that few can. So, uh, yes, I'm going with little Santino being, <laughs> being eaten in When Evil Lurks. So we didn't do a category of most disturbing moment of the year, or I think that probably would have taken the cake. Uh, that scene was so utterly wrong, yet amazing. So fucked up. It's so wild. The dude is driving in the car, and he just finds his sister-in-law, and she's munching on her own child's head like, a, like, it's, like it's candy out of a bucket on Halloween. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was unbelievably disturbing. But we didn't pick the same one. I'm very, I'm very surprised uh, by this. I want to hear what yours is. We did pick the same movie, however. Oh, nice. <laughs> My best kill of 2023 was the little girl and the dog <laughs> from When <laughs> Evil Lurks. That was also one of the best shocking moments of 2023. We didn't put best yeah. scare necessarily in, in this in this uh, best of category, but. The moment when that dog latches onto that little girl and runs off with her body, just flopping as he runs off with her. I've said it. A mil I know people get sick of me saying this. Even though when I can see things coming, if you do it right, it still works. And I knew something was happening with that dog, but the surprise of it just literally chopping down on a child yeah. Blew me away. I was like, holy shit. I can't believe they did this. And then the ragdolling, too. It's like, okay, the, the, the initial jump where he lunges at her was kind of fucked up. But you would assume in most movies that they're going to kind of cut away and you barely see anything. No, this was like Damien Rugner was like, no, 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 let's keep going on this. Like, what would a dog do? He'd 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 lash it around a little bit. So you see this girl like like just thrashing in in, in this dog's mouth. And then he runs off, dragging her along and runs off out into the streets. And you're like the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. What the fuck was that? Like it, it was literally just like, you just, you, it left you in a state of shock. And I think, I feel like both our best kills are that they like, they're, they, they just sort of stunned me in a way that I don't think any other movie was able to do this year. Yeah. That one, when I sat in the theater, when it happened, I was like, I cannot believe you just did this. I cannot believe you just had this happen. And that one shocked me and continues to shock me throughout the entire year. So <laughs> when evil lurks, you produce the best kills, both for you and you and you and I were both when evil lurks. So kudos to Damien Ragnar for pulling that one off. <laughs> yeah, man. What a fucking movie. 
Let's talk about best gore. It wouldn't be a year in horror without gore, Patrick, and we did have some spectacular gore this year. We really, really did. Uh, the people who were doing effects should all get a, a standing ovation. It was a good year. So, for you, Patrick, what was your best gore in 2023? This was a tougher category. I had to kind of really search through my my database and, and think about what stuck out to me. But when it hit me, I go, yeah, there's nothing that got me quite like the razor wire to the thigh in Saw X. <laughs> so so Jigsaw puts it, puts all these people in this giant factory room and decides like, you're all gonna have to like do something awful to yourselves in front of all of each, each of you. You're gonna all have to witness it. And I think it was the first one, right? I think it was the first one in those, in that grouping. Yeah. And she had to take this razor sharp razor wire and literally just hand saw her thighs off. And they don't, I mean, credit to the filmmakers for just leaving the camera on while while she chews through fat and meat and bone and gore spilling out. And then she has to attach the hose and suck the marrow out of the bone. If it sounds disgusting, it's because it is, folks. If you haven't seen Saw X, the gore is incredible and this and that scene in particular i was just like fuck me man what a thing of beauty you know my gore whore damon like i fucking loved it i love what i love about that scene is they know it's uncomfortable they know it lasts too long and yet too it long. still continues it is it is it is like it is like a car crash in slow motion. We all stop oh. and look at a car crash, but you know it's going to be over in two seconds. This is like a car crash that just continues to happen and happen more and continues to happen until she literally saws off her own leg. And you watch it flop on the floor. And oh, by the way, it's not over yet because she's still got to suck a vacuum into her leg and take out the bone marrow to try to save her own life. It is unreal. It is a really uncomfortable yet amazing scene. And gorgeous special effects. I should have pulled up the, the name of the people in the special effects team, but kudos to them because, I mean, it looked as real as it gets. I mean, that that drip machine part where the blood will go through the 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 um, the sieve or whatever it is, the sieve, but the marrow is thick and more coagulated and fatty and it will stop in there. And I was just like, God, the. The attention to detail, just my hat's off to you. So fucking good. Yeah, it was great. Um, I had a couple of candidates for my best score this year, and I'll be honest, I think about four of them probably came from When Evil Lurks. But I ended up going with a slightly different choice, only because it was one of the scenes that really surprised me this year and just, just the brutal nature of how it was. And that was Riley with the old face slam in oh, Talk yeah. to Me. The scene when he's doing the talk to me and he's possessed by a spirit and the spirit is in him longer than it should be. And it just lashes out by absolutely destroying this poor kid's face. He slams his face into the desk repeatedly and then he slams it into his own sister's hand. And then I know I'm kind of combining scenes, but then later on he's in the bathroom getting a shower and he yeah. does it to himself again. They brutalized that poor kid like you would not believe. Joe Bird, I believe, was his name, the actor. Yeah. I mean, they just brutalized that poor kid. But when you see the aftermath of him bashing his own face against the desk and then obviously again in the in the hospital, I mean, it is it is it is worse than you could imagine of someone getting their head beat in. It looks it literally looks like someone beat him with a baseball bat, yet he's still alive. Yeah. Oh God, it was so brutal. I remember I saw I've saw that movie three times this year. 
and I, I saw every single time I saw it with the crowd, that scene just everybody was like, oh, like, oh, my God, this is so fucking brutal. And then this and the sound design in that scene, too, in both in both versions, like when he's in the bathroom and when he's in the in the in the den or whatever, the, of the slamming sound of his head hitting that stuff like maximum effectiveness uh, for that for those scenes. And it really it was disturbing because it's like. It, I don't know. It looked fucking off. Don't, and he also like pull, like pulls tears at his eyeball and yeah, shit. Tries, like, it's pull, tries to scoop gnarly. out an eyeball, and yeah, it's pretty nasty. And it's just like, and also what I appreciate also is every single time he slams his head, he comes up more damage. Like I know that yeah. seems, you know, pretty obvious, but like they really did. Like oh, one time down, your head's bashed in. One time down, your cheekbones messed up. One time down, blood pouring. Oh, let's scoop yeah. out an eyeball, and yeah, it's. It's wild. It's a wild, wild scene, and it's relentless. Um, so that was my best score of the year. Um, Patrick, let's talk. I'm going to skip around here a little bit uh, before we get to our final top five. And let's talk about, you know, we talked about there were some negative moments this year. What is our most disappointing moment of 2023? <laughs> we got to put it in here. We said it's best and worst. It can't just be about the best. Yeah. I'll go first because you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. My most, my most disappointing. Not, I don't know why I'm shocked by this, but my most disappointing moment of 2023 was by far the Exorcist Believer. It's well documented. If you are a even casual listener of this show, that David Gordon Green is not getting a Christmas card for me this year. <laughs> He ruined his chances after he made Halloween Ends, which is one of the top five worst horror films I've ever seen. And I'm I'm grading that on a scale because I understand when, you know, you put Sharktopus versus Megalodon, I'm not grading it on that scale. Right. Horror films that I actually looked forward to seeing and it was that bad, Halloween Ends. You know. I moved beyond my disdain for Halloween ends and legitimately got excited for Halloween for Exorcist Believer for a couple reasons. One, Halloween 2018 was incredible. We both loved that movie. So I my first initial thought was, hey, they're talking about doing the Exorcist trilogy, Exorcist trilogy. Even if the next two films are not good, David Gordon Green had a track record for knowing how to at least do it once. And then you bring back Ellen Burstyn to play Chris McNeil. You brought her back for the first time in 50 years. 50 years. She'd never appeared in any sequels, nothing. You got her back. And then you shit the bed. (laughs) The more I've thought about that movie over the course of the last couple months, Patrick, I've grown to dislike it more and more because of how many misses there were in that film. It was just like... The target was right in front of them. And I understand it's dangerous to play fan service because sometimes when you do that, you end up yeah. with the new Star Wars trilogy where it just sucks ass by the end of it. And I was like, can we just kill everyone? Like, do we need do we need anyone to survive this thing? When you start paying too much attention to fan service, like you react to fan service. Like, yeah, oh, the fans, did, the fans didn't like this. Let's change it. The fans didn't like this character. Let's drop them. Should never do that. There were so many openings for good fan service and exorcist believer and they blew it every single time minus one moment which was when reagan comes back that was like the one like oh my gosh they did it kind of moment and that was fleeting that was at the end of the movie and i was like i'm over this already i don't even care (laughs) 
That movie was so disappointing to me because we did the review for The Exorcist on this podcast. It is one of the greatest horror films ever. And I certainly, to be clear, certainly did not expect it to live up to those expectations. As a matter of fact, I said, I'm pretty sure I said this on the podcast, I couldn't possibly judge it. That's unfair to yeah, judge it. Yeah, you wouldn't it. want to do that. But I did judge it as a horror film, at least set in that universe. And it was so utterly disappointing. Damon, it may shock you to find out that my most disappointing moment of the year is also Exorcist Believer, uh, which was, uh, yeah, one of my anticipated movies from from this year. Um, And for different reasons, though, uh, truth be told, like, I I think we're both disappointed by the Ellen Burstyn portion of it all. Um, I don't think that that part went over well, but it didn't it didn't bother me terribly because I kind of understood like she's 90 years old. You can use her the way you can use her. And and the way they used her was probably very dissatisfying for a lot of hardcore fans of the original film. But also I understood. I was like, well, she's she's elderly. I don't think we're going to you're going to have a ton of days with her on set. She's going to do the days she does. And that's how they fit her in as best they could. And they said she was a joy to work with and she brought a lot of fun to the set. So all good there. It didn't work for me, but it's all good. That's fine. My biggest umbrage, Damon, with exorcist believer was how it just it turned into a very basic exorcism movie that was my disappointment with it i I could i really could forgive the ellen burston part where some people can't that's like it's like too hallowed ground for them they're too they're too faithful to the original to forgive that to me it's not that wasn't the problem at all the problem was just how forgettable the rest of the movie was that part bugged me more than anything i was like and again, you do have to measure yourself with expectations, even even beyond fan service. If you put a bunch of expectations on a movie, which I think I kind of did, it was it was on my list of most anticipated. So I did have expectations. I expected it to go very hard because truth be told, as much as we kind of hemmed and hawed about certain aspects of the David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy, it went hard. It was brutal. It was some of the most brutal that you'll ever see out of the Halloween series. So I thought to myself, if we go in this highly disturbing, highly hardcore direction for Exorcist Believer, maybe maybe that will make up for what what little shortcomings it may have. And it didn't. It ended up becoming a very predictable exorcism film for me. And so that that was the part that bummed me out, whereas I was like, I'm leaving this film and I gave it, I think, at the time, a C plus. I might downgrade that to like a C minus or something. As, as I've thought about it over the year, but I just didn't come out of it going, I can't wait to see what these characters do next. I think there's potential for another story out of what what happened there, but I believe it was a wait and see situation. And if if I don't think Exorcist Believer did what they wanted it to do, we may never see another Exorcist from David Gordon Green, which calm, calm down, Damon, <sighs> calm, calm your excitedness. But I don't think he's coming back for another Exorcist. Yeah, all I've heard is that the, there's a good chance we may not see a sequel to this. And in a way that bums me out just because, like, you know, I do want franchises to succeed and I don't want people to stop totally making exorcist movies but i would while i did have a huge list of grievances your grievance is also on my list that's one i didn't necessarily mention i would say yes you didn't go hard enough i mean the original exorcist came out in 1973 and it went freaking hard we were still marveling at some of the things they did in that movie 50 years ago we we had a category which you can see on our tiktok and our on our uh, instagram page where i still can't believe they did this 50 years later i'm like how in the hell did they do this uh the crucifix scene we all know what i'm talking about now again 
I understand you can go for shock factor and try to duplicate that, but just in general going hard, just in general making it a wild exorcism movie, and it just felt very paint-by-the-numbers, and nothing about that film stood out. Nothing. It was a. It was the definition of mediocre. And again, I didn't hate it, but the more I've thought about it, the angrier I've gotten because I'm like, you just didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and you didn't try this, and you didn't try that. Listen, say what you will about Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. He tried. He failed miserably, in my opinion, in Halloween Ends, but he tried. Didn't like it. I hate it. Never want to see it again. But it's almost like he didn't try anything in Exorcist Believer, with the exception of we're going to have two girls possessed. That was the whole premise. I was like, this is interesting. We loved the trailer. Go back and listen to our reaction. Watch our reaction to the Exorcist trailer. We loved it. I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm so in. Just didn't do it for me at all. Didn't didn't get me excited. Didn't Certainly didn't make me want a sequel. And as I said, as the years gone, I've gotten angry and angry about it because I'm just like, you didn't do the thing you were supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, I, the only thing, the only reason I would push back on that particular thing, which is the thing you're supposed to do. It's like, well, every filmmaker is going to try their thing. That, that's the thing they're going to end up doing. But listen, it, if the Pope's exorcist subverted my expectations far more <sighs> Then Exorcist Believer, and I don't think you and I are having the Pope Exorcist on our top five. I don't know. I don't know what your list is, but I wouldn't call that a top five movie for me. And it managed to subvert my expectations far more to the point where I was like, well, that's kind of fucking interesting. Yeah. And I might actually go see another Russell Crowe Pope's Exorcist. Like, I just might. I didn't get that from Exorcist Believer. And that's, yeah, it's disappointing. And we said, you know, I've actually said on this show before, Patrick, that I've changed my opinion on the whole idea of like, if you make a good PG-13 horror film, because I used to have the opinion when you do a PG-13 horror film, I'm immediately going in thinking this isn't going to be as good because you can't go as hard, whether it's language, story, graphic nature of the, of the gore, all those kind of things come into play. And I've always said, man, I kind of get a little down when I see a PG-13 rating. I will say over the last couple of years, I've revisited and seen some pretty quality PG-13 films that are horror films. I've been pretty impressed with them. And I think I said this on the podcast when we reviewed Exorcist Believer. I said, if you just delete a couple things, this is a PG-13 movie. Didn't feel yeah. at all like an Exorcist movie. Like, they didn't they didn't go for shock factor just for the sake of shock factor. There was nothing shocking at all. And, yeah, it just really bummed me out. And, again, I want to be clear. I did not go in with a preconceived notion because my opinion about David Gordon Green is pretty well documented. But I was still legitimately excited based yeah. upon the trailer and his history with at least getting one really right. Didn't do yeah. it this time. Uh, that's okay. We can't win them all folks. Yeah. <laughs> and in the case of David Gordon green, I mean, boy, he's striking out with Damon on a regular basis these days. Yeah. He's not going to, like I said, he's not getting a Christmas card for me this year. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, Patrick, what was our big surprise movie of the year? What was your biggest surprise movie of 2023? One you didn't see coming. Um, well, this one happened just a few weeks ago for me, Damon. And it's a little movie called El Conde. Have you you haven't seen this movie? I've not seen El Conde. No, uh, it's it's on it's on Netflix for anyone that has a Netflix subscription. Go check it out. This movie surprised me the most this year because I remember seeing the trailer and going, OK, it looks kind of interesting. When I watched it, we, we just we just finished talking about how subversion kind of 
is the key to a great movie, to a movie really impacting you. El Conde totally subverted me. Now, uh, the basic premise of this movie, if you don't know, is that there's a, a bunch of, uh, uh, or there's, this, there's the, this vampire in Chile who's uh, on, a, on a farm with his family and he's kind of coming to his final years and they all want like his riches or wherever they're, they may be hidden. Um, it didn't, it didn't jump out at me as something I needed to go see or, you know, sit down and watch. When I watched it, I was pleasantly surprised to find out how quirky it is. I think I compared, I told you it's sort of like a Coen brothers movie. Yeah. Um, it's sort of funny. It's darkly funny. It's very gory. It's not scary at all. I wouldn't even qualify it as a horror movie, but it is very gory because these vampires drink blood and they kill and they, and they rip hearts out of people. Like it's the gore is very much apparent, but it's mostly a comedy about a, a, a dictator. It's actually a real dictator. It's a, what's his name? Um, Pinochet from Chile. Like it's, it, the, the premise is Pinochet was a vampire this whole time. Um, and it was gorgeous. The cinematography in this movie is incredible. And I won't ruin the scene, but there's a scene near the end of the movie where they shot it and you go, how did they shoot this? <laughs> it's so beautiful, like just incredible cinematography. It's all in black and white, by the way. And it's just super gorgeous. And there's a scene near the end that you is just a thing of absolute beauty. And for me, it made my surprise movie of the year because it was it looked like just another Netflix horror movie that I probably wasn't going to watch. And when I watched it, I was surprised for reasons that I I didn't expect. Yeah, I need to check this one out. That was one I didn't see, so I can't really place an opinion on that. Although I do know you texted me when you were watching it, and you seemed pretty blown away by it and pretty surprised by how well it was done. And I have heard that I have heard a couple other people mention that movie. I just haven't seen it yet. So it's going on the short list of films I need to check out. Hopefully before the end of this year, when I get a little bit of a break, I'm going to try to tack on a few more films this year before 2023 is over. So I have not seen it, but I have heard good things. So for me, my biggest surprise really came down to a movie that I did that I that I knew we were going to review I knew I was going to see it in the theater but my expectations were kind of low if I'm being honest and that's why it ends up being my biggest surprise of 2023 and that is Saw X um yeah. I'm not a massive Saw franchise fan I think the first film is an utter classic and I really do enjoy the second film Every Saw movie after that is very much in that B minus C plus range for me. They're not bad. They're not particularly good, though. It's not Scream where it's just like every film I can say is actually pretty good or really good. Scream's had a couple of good ones in there and some completely unbelievably forgettable films in there that were just generic and didn't do well. And we, I think we talked about this on the podcast that in a lot of ways, the Saw writers wrote themselves into a corner by, you know, putting John Kramer into a situation where he had to die and then yeah. you end up killing off his protege as well. And so after Scream 2, they're like, well, shit, where do we go from here? And then they just start injecting new characters and backtracking and the legacy of Saw and all this other random weird shit. Um, Ten films in. Saw X might be one of the best in the entire franchise. Like they reinvent, yeah. they really found a way to reinvent it by bringing back Tobin Bell, bringing back Shawnee Smith, setting it between the events of Saw 1 and Saw 2, which is a tricky, tricky maneuver to pull off. By and large, I would argue you probably ruin things better than improve upon them with those kind of movies or TV shows or whatever when you try to create some sort of prequel or whatever in the middle of something, whatever the case may be. Um, 
Phantom Menace and the Attack of the Clones in Star Wars would be a great example of that. Um, I would say Saw X totally subverted my expectations because I went in thinking, all right, Tobin Bell's back. Shawnee Smith is back. If this is just halfway decent, I'll be satisfied. I was blown away. I was shocked by how good that movie was. There was heart. There was brutality. You find yourself rooting for a serial killer, which I don't know what that says about us and or the movie going audience uh, as a whole. But yeah, Saw X really did did stun me this year. I, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. I remember when, when we got to reviewing it, I was like, holy shit, this was actually a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> like like and and uh, the uh, outside of the original Saw, which, again, I'm right there with you, it, which is just an absolute classic. I wasn't like looking forward to this. I was like, okay, great. Like another Saw movie, we'll be able to talk about it. Let's see how it goes. And I came out of it going, that's one of the best horror movies of the year, for sure. I don't know where, but I know it's better than a lot of other ones. <laughs> like it, it just fucking, it, it delivered everything. And it, and it could have gone horribly wrong, especially bringing back Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith. It could have gone really wrong and it didn't. It just felt right in line with the franchise and it's a companion to all those movies in a really great way. And this is the 10th film Yeah. on what planet does, does number 10 deliver the way the first one does. That's a feat in and of itself. That's a surprise. That's a, that's a very legit pick for surprise movie. Of the year. And that's why I said, even going back to scream, like six movies that are all really good. Imagine getting to your 10th Saw film, and I would argue that's probably in my top three Saw films now, like Saw 1, Saw 2, Easily. and Saw X. That yeah. never happens. You don't get to, and all, again, this is all in the same linear, you know, they're all, this is all part of the same story. They never retconned it or created a whole new legacy. This has all been Jigsaw being Tobin Bell's character, John Kramer. This has all been his from day one. We're now on the 10th film, and somehow they pulled off a magic trick, and the 10th film was like one of the best of the entire franchise. It's, again, shocking. It's Damon. It might. I mean, I'm not. We're not ranking Saw films today, but it might rank higher than Saw Two for me. I mean, like, it, it I, might. I'd have to see it a couple more times, but it might pop there for me too. Like the only one it's not going to top is Saw. I can say the original Saw is not getting trumped, but yeah, it's special. It's not out of the realm of possibility. If I see Saw X a couple more times and be like, yeah, you know what, that could be number two. Um, which. Trust me, that was a film like we got to read <laughs> when it came out. It was a well, we have to review this one. Uh, and then I left the theater thinking, damn, I get to review this one. Like I was, yeah. again, pleasantly surprised. You I never think number 10 is going to be that good. You do not trust me. I went in with the lowest of expectations and, and came out being like, you know what? I was legitimately enthusiastic to see that movie. It was really well done. Let's talk real quick before we get to our top five candidates. One more category to get to, Patrick, and we got to talk about, well, actually two more categories because we got one more, Not we actually have a non-horror category coming up in one second. But right now, let's talk about Best Missed. This is the category where we talk about a film we saw in 2023 that didn't come out this year that we saw for the first time in 2023. Last year, I was very proud the my pick was Hell House LLC, which ended up being a film that you didn't see till this year, mm-hmm. and you really enjoyed it. And I was so happy that you did because you're not the biggest found footage fan. Um, that was my pick last year. I watched a lot of horror this year, Patrick. I watched, as I said, probably I watched less than you. I probably watched between sixty and seventy films. You watched eighty two, I think you said. Eighty two. 
I didn't find a lot this year that I hadn't seen before that I was really blown away by, being honest. I have one really good choice, and then you know a lot of other kind of like, okay, pretty good. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Why don't you go first because I actually have a huge list. <laughs> okay. So I have one that really stood out. I didn't want to go too deep. I wanted to give you one that really stood out for me like I did with Hell House LLC last year. My best missed film of 2023 is a movie called Triangle. Have you heard of this movie? I don't think so. It is a movie that stars Melissa George. Uh, It's a 2009 film. I believe it's currently available on Shudder, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, hi, Shudder. And it is a film that really shocked me with how well done it was. It's a psychological horror film that kind of takes a lot of twisting timelines and almost parallel universe narratives and mixes it in, shakes it all up, and throws it back out as a horror film. These people are on a boat going on like a day cruise, like a day trip in a boat. Their boat breaks down, and they need rescue, and they're out in the middle of nowhere in the ocean. And they see this big, massive uh, like cruise liner ship come out of the fog in the distance, and they seek out to try to find help on this ship because their boat is incapacitated. They climb aboard this ship, and weird shit starts happening right away. And it's not Ghost Ship, by the way, which is a really fun, dumb horror film from the early 2000s. Weird shit starts happening that you don't see coming, and there's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of surprises. Liam Hensworth is in this movie. The star is Melissa George, who I've always enjoyed and everything she's done. Of course, she did 30 Days a Night, which is a film we reviewed earlier this year, which we both love. Really, really good movie, really fun movie, and definitely kept me guessing until the very end. So Triangle is my pick for the best mist of 2023. I believe it's available on Shutter right now. It's from 2009. I would highly recommend checking that film out. That that premise doesn't even ring familiar at all to me. So I will have to check that one out. Who knows? Maybe that ends up on my next year's best miss list if I don't watch it today. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really stunning. I didn't I didn't see it coming. Good cast. You know, Melissa George is really quality. Liam Hemsworth, even though he's one of the lesser Hemsworth brothers. Uh, it was good. I was genuinely surprised. And it's a film that I do look forward to seeing again. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to check that out. Damon, my best missed list was actually huge this year. I didn't realize some of these movies I hadn't even seen until this year. That's uh, at top of that was Hell House LLC based on your best missed from last year. Um, another movie I didn't realize I'd only seen this year was Lake Mungo, which I love. And another found footage movie that I do love. Um, I've probably watched Lake Mungo like three times this year. That's how much I like it. Um, another movie that I hadn't seen, uh, until this year was fall, which we talked a little bit about in our, uh, our descent podcast, another great nail biter of a horror movie last shift which we talked earlier in this year about Last Shift and Malum. Malum came out this year as a remake of The Last Shift. Last Shift is fucking rad. And if you haven't seen Last Shift, go find it because it's a it's one of those movies where you're just like, shit, they did this for nothing in one location and it's really good and really effective for what it is. Um, I didn't, I had never seen The Autopsy of Jane Doe starring the great Brian Cox. I finally saw it this year and it kicks fucking ass. I finally saw Terrified this year from Damien Rugna because everybody had been talking about it. I'd seen Jennifer's Body for the first time this year, which I know Johnny come lately. I mean, boy, I, I can't believe I had been missing out on Jennifer's Body all these years. 
It's a really, really great movie. But my ultimate best miss, Damon, comes for, in the form of a movie that I had never heard of ever in my life until I was following some uh, horror influencer on, on TikTok. And it, it was not our friend Sydney from Horror Chronicles. It was somebody else who said this movie was so disturbing to them and they, they couldn't get it out of their head. It's a movie called The Eyes of My Mother. Have you seen this? I have not seen this. The Eyes of My Mother. And I think I dropped a little mini review of it on our Instagram. It is disturbing in its own way. And it's another all black and white film, weirdly enough. Uh, yes, Damon, I'm artsy fartsy. Okay, <laughs> live with me. It is all black and white. And it's a story about a girl um, who's, who's, uh, who's, who's raised in kind of isolation with her older parents. And then one day a guy shows up and he kills her mother in front of her. And that is not the worst thing that happens in the movie. The movie descends into sort of this madness and you grow up with this little girl as she gets older and she lives isolated on this, on this, in this like kind of farmhouse. It's a very, very like, um, artfully made movie and I, and not on the story side on the story side i think it's actually pretty straightforward it's not hard to follow it's no green knight damon if, if you're worried <laughs> um it's an easy movie to follow but it's just so artfully made they show the gore and the kills when they want to and then they leave it up to your interpretation when they feel it's the right time and that kind of balance was super effective here like they really knew when to show it to you and not show it to you to give you maximum impact. And I thought it was just a tremendously made movie that was made, I think, all the way back in like, I think it was like 2016, maybe earlier, maybe 2014, I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, The Eyes of My Mother is is my year's best missed. I will need to check that one out. That is not one, I know you did, I know you did drop it on our Instagram and I did watch a review. I've not seen it. Uh, where is it streaming at? Where did I watch it? Let me find out real quick because I, I think it is worth it if it's out there. I want to say I watched it on like Pluto TV or something. Yeah. Oh shit. Let me see here. Yeah, because I know I know Triangle is on Shutter, and I think it's actually on. I want to say Amazon Prime as well. So if you want to check that one out, but I'm not. I remember watching a review for Eyes of My Mother, but I never saw it. So I am infinitely curious. I do want to throw out a special shout out to Autopsy of Jane Doe. That's a film we're going to have to review at some point on the show. I learned an interesting fact about that movie over this past week. I was watching an interview with Emile Hirsch, who played the other doctor, the other you know technician in that movie alongside Brian Cox. And it's so funny. See, you know I'm a big Quentin Tarantino guy. Love mm -hmm. Tarantino. And Tarantino has only ever made one kind of horror film, and that was Death Proof, and that's not really... It's more of a yeah, thriller. Like a thriller. Than, um... But he loves horror. And I saw Emile Hirsch do an interview and he was cast. He got like fourth on the call sheet in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he got cast in that movie as uh, as Jay, uh, the hairdresser friend of Sharon Tate, the real life, you know, the guy Jay Sebring, who, who really did die. He played that character in that movie. And he said that he was on Facebook of all places. And Quentin Tarantino, who apparently has a Facebook page, which I learned, oh, which okay. I you know, obsessively stalked trying to make him my friend. Um <laughs> He sent him a message and said, hey, I saw the autopsy of Jane Doe. I loved it. I want to offer you a part in my next movie. Now, if you've seen the autopsy of Jane Doe and you've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they are not similar movies in any way, shape, yeah. or form. But I love that Tarantino saw that horror film, saw Emile Hirsch, and was like, I want that guy in my movie. And I, when he said that, I was like, that's so amazing, because I know Quentin is a huge horror fan. He just hasn't really made a horror movie. But seeing the autopsy of Jane Doe made Quentin Tarantino go, I want that guy in my movie. I love that story. 
No, that's rad. And that's a great movie. And I was, I was like, man, I can't believe I hadn't seen this movie yet. Um, and just to let you guys know, it's uh, The Eyes of My Mother is actually streaming free in a lot of places like Roku, Redbox, Pluto TV, Tubi, Sling, and Vudu, and Plex are all streaming it for free. There you go. The Eyes of My Mother. I'll have to check that out. I remember seeing your review and I never actually watched it. So I'll have to definitely check yeah. that out. Yeah, um, definitely my kind of shit. Last category before we get to our top five, and that is our favorite non-horror films of 2023. Now, Patrick, you and I are massive horror fans. That's been well documented. You watched over 100 some odd movies. 82 were horror. So the majority of your films that you watched this year were horror. I would say absolutely the same for me. Again, I didn't keep total count. I know I watched somewhere between 60 and 70 horror films. I would definitely say I saw over 100 movies this year. Either way, that would still make horror the predominant genre that I watched this year. But we are cinephiles. We are film fans in general. It's that time of year where we're getting into Oscar season. We're getting into award season. So, Patrick, what were your favorite non-horror films of 2024? Or 2023, excuse me. I want to credit Damon Martin with coming up with this category because truth be told, you and I could easily do a podcast about any other kind of movie genre or any movies in general. We could do this all day. We fucking love watching movies. And so when you were like, hey, we should talk about some of the movies that aren't horror that we like just to give uh, the fans a taste of what we're into outside of this. Um, If you can guess, some of mine are probably lesser known movies, but they're fucking great anyway. Um, American Fiction fantastic movie starring Jeffrey Wright that is just so funny and dramatic and interesting. Um, The Holdover starring Paul Giamatti, one of my absolute favorites of the year, Uh, kind of a throwback to the 1970s dramedies. Dream Scenario starring Nicolas Cage, which I think I did. I don't know. Did I post it on our Instagram? Uh, I think I might have. I think you might have, yeah. Dream Scenario is one of those weird movies. It's a very surrealist film. But it has horror elements, like real horror elements that I didn't see coming. I didn't know were going to be in there to the point that some people in the audience were actually like covering their eyes. They weren't ready for for the little moments in dream scenario that were going to be horrific. Uh, that's Nicolas Cage starring as a sort of a milk toast professor that everyone in the world starts dreaming about for no reason. They don't know why. Um it had horror elements in it, but it was also like a really, really laugh out loud, funny movie, a uh, very interesting movie, with a lot of great social commentary. Uh, another movie I love this year, Damon, that that was uh, that that's at, I'm pretty sure most people have watched. And I know you've watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I watched that movie five times this year, <laughs> two of them in the theater, three at home on Disney Plus, And I cried every single fucking time. <laughs> I fucking loved that movie. I thought that movie was fantastic. Yeah, I loved I loved Guardians of the Galaxy three. That was the one, the one Marvel movie that really surpassed expectations this year. James Gunn is incredible. He knows those characters. It was man, I, I wept at that movie. That movie was. Yeah. There were moments in that movie I was like, oh my god, fuck you, James Gunn. <laughs> uh, great, great pull on that one. I would I would definitely put Guardians of the Galaxy on my list as well for best non horror films of twenty twenty three. Um by the way, you could kinda argue some there's like horrific elements in Guardians three as well. Oh, there are. There definitely are. And the the yeah. moment that made me cry was a very sad moment. Like it was just like, you know, you it was like, fuck you, James Gunn. <laughs> um I only picked a few because I didn't want to go too deep because we only have so much time on the podcast and we are a horror movie podcast. My best, I'll put it at the top of the list just to mention it first, uh, non-horror movie of 2023 was Martin Scorsese's 
Killers of the Flower Moon. I have a real deep connection to this film, not only because it's incredible, but because I read the book two years ago, knowing this film was coming out, had Leonardo DiCaprio was my favorite actor, had Scorsese, one of my favorite filmmakers, Robert De Niro, uh, Lily Gladstone, great cast, um, Jesse Plim, uh, Jesse um, um, Plemons. Plemons, yeah. Great cast. But I read the book. And the murder of the Osage people in the early 1900s, who basically they had oil rights and people tried to steal it from by murdering them best way to describe it was a story I had never heard of. It was like when I saw and learned about the Tulsa race massacre by watching the fucking Watchmen. Mm-hmm. pisses me off to this day. It took me till that show, which was unbelievable by the way, it pisses me off that it took me until that show came out in like 2021 or whatever it was to know that the Tulsa race massacre. I had no idea. Never, never was never taught in school. I had, I thought it was part of the fiction. I thought it was part of the show. And someone's mm-hmm. like, no, that really happened. I was like, what the fuck? Um, I was not familiar with this story either until I read the book and the movie. Yes, it's three and a half hours. It is intense. It will take you a lot to get through, but I will say this as a person who has now seen it three times, it gets better with every viewing. I adore that movie and I hope it wins every award out there. I absolutely loved it. Um, other films on my non horror films list. I want to mention, uh, I do want to mention, uh, where's my list at here? Hold on. I just scroll back up again. There it is. Uh, I will mention a comedy that I really enjoyed this year called bottoms. Uh, sorry, oh, yeah. Rachel Sennett, who was in a horror movie called bodies, bodies, bodies that I did not enjoy last year. Uh, it is a really funny, goofy, good old school comedy. That is a film that took risks and didn't try to apologize for making you feel a little uncomfortable at moments. It was funny. It was stupid. It was goofy comedy, but really, really good uh, performances. The other star of the movie is uh, Ao, the the girl from uh, the Bear. Oh yeah, yeah, um, she's great. She's incredible. The other person besides Jeremy Allen White, the main star in the Bear, she was incredible. That's a really funny movie. And then a movie that made me so wildly uncomfortable, but it was still great. Was a movie called Saltburn. And a oh, lot yeah. of people are talking about that movie. That movie is wild. Wild. <laughs> it is a full-on eight ball of cocaine in one day movie. It is, you are, you'll walk out of the theater going, what in the fuck did I just witness? It is mind-numbingly crazy. Um, I do also want to mention The Holdovers. I literally just watched it last night. Absolutely adored that movie. I would say that's probably number two for me this year behind Killers of the Flower Moon now. The Holdovers was incredible. And my last movie I want to mention, it actually comes out, uh, by the time this podcast drops, it will be out there. So I'm going to mention it because I saw a screener. The Iron Claw from A24. It's about the Von Erich professional wrestling family. I grew up in pro wrestling. actually used to be a pro wrestler back in the day for those who don't know. Um, I'm very familiar with their stories, very tragic story. Yeah. Jeremy Allen White, Zach Efron, um, incredible, incredible movie, heartbreaking movie. And whether you're a pro wrestling fan or not, you don't need to be to see this movie and enjoy it. I would highly recommend when it comes out on December 22nd that everyone go see uh the Iron Claw. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Iron Claw. And I've seen pretty much all those movies that you listed there outside of, I think, Bottoms. But uh, Saltburn, fucking crazy movie, dude. Saltburn's like, you know, how like we haven't watched Euphoria in a while. It's kind of been off the air for a minute. It's like watching Euphoria. You go, what the fuck? Why is it? Why are, why are young people doing this? And what is wrong with them? Yeah. Do I need to call their parents? Yeah, it's wild. There was one scene yeah. I texted you after because you had seen it before me. Yeah. And I texted you afterwards. And I was like, Patrick? <laughs> this fucking movie <laughs> what the fuck did movie. i just see and but i loved it like i really enjoyed yeah. it it was a really well done movie but it was one of those, it was it was a movie that will haunt me <laughs> for a long time for not and also to i'm not i'm not to, i was laughing with that one uh it's not horror but you could i swear to god you could categorize killers of the flower moon as horror with all the atrocities that are carried out oh, in that yeah. movie like holy shit the atrocities carried out in that movie will make you like feel like you just got out of a horror film and the tub scene in Saltburn <laughs> will make you feel like you fucking just walked out of Saw X. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I was like, stop this before I vomit. You like, know, just stop doing this. You know, I'll be honest, like, with the most shocking moments of the year, like, you know, gore, like, you and I are gore whores. We admit that. Like, we're totally. not, we are gore fiends. Like, I love good gore. I definitely do. And I don't get, I do not get particularly squeamish with it even like the, the the leg shaving scene and cabin fever was disgusting didn't bother me all that much the cheese grater scene and evil dead rise was amazing didn't bother me i was like this is really cool what a great idea uh that's how fucked up i am salt burn the bathtub scene i'm not gonna say what it is what happens you're gonna be like the bathtub scene that disturbed me more <laughs> than any horror film i saw this year most disturbing scene of the year <laughs> Barry Keoghan in the bathtub is easily oh. by far not a horror movie, but I was just like, oh, okay, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Like, so disgusting. I'm glad I didn't eat my lunch before seeing this movie. Oh, it would be all over God. the seat in front of me because I saw that in the theater. I saw it in the theater, so it was up on the yeah. big screen and watching this unfold. Uh, I'm, I'm on a hundred foot screen with Dolby surround sound hearing. I don't know. I'm not going to talk. You can't about say it. Right it. You can't say <laughs> it. Just disgusting. understand, salt burn bathtub scene. You will be fucked up for years to come. You will not forget <laughs> so this disgusting. scene. I promise you. It's so disgusting. Unbelievably disgusting. All right. It is that time, Patrick. It is time to discuss our top five best horror films of the year. I wish I had had a sound cue pulled up so I could do a, <laughs> dun, dr dun, a, dr a drum roll dun, or something. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. The you know what? We talk about the best of the absolute best. The absolute best here, and we know how to get. You know what I should. You know what I should have played before we did our our most disappointing films of the year. It should have been like. Buongiorno, right? Gorlami, lo pronuncio correctamente. Si, correcto. Gorlami, Gorlami. That was one of our one of our sound bites from uh, earlier this year when we did the uh, Pope's Exodus, the greatest accents in film history. Was that one, uh, Gorlami? Uh, correcto. <laughs> <laughs> correcto correcto uh yeah so i don't have a drum roll i don't have any prep for this but before we get to our top five films i do want to give us a chance to throw out some mentions of honorable mentions real quick or do you want to do that before or after uh maybe we do it after because right. i won't i won't go yeah, i won't true. belabor them i'll just talk about i'll just yeah. say hey shout out to this movie so let's start again you and i don't know each other's lists we have no idea what we're ranking these things so let's just start at number five patrick what is your number five best horror film of 2023 my number five best horror film of 2023 is Godzilla minus one. Now, Damon, the truth is it's number five on my list 
because I know that it skirts the line of horror. Actually, a lot of other horror podcasts and outlets have been talking about Godzilla minus one this year. But let's be honest, it sort of lives in its own genre, which is the kaiju genre or whatever. But it is somewhat of a subset of horror. I know that there's hardcore horror fans from years, myself included, who are Godzilla and King Kong fanatics and watch all those movies. But the ones that come out, like the Adam Wingard ones, Godzilla versus King Kong, those are just big action, big popcorn movies. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But they really aren't horror. Godzilla Minus One sort of harkens back to the older style of Godzilla, where it's just Godzilla and he's just going to fuck shit up. And he's not a good guy. He's a bad guy. <laughs> and um, it's an incredibly well-made movie. It really is. Um, and it is in our genre. Some, it's somewhere in our subset of genre. And the only reason it doesn't rank higher is because I do believe, for the most part, it's not truly a horror film. But it's a really well-made film. It's a fantastic story. It's one of the few movies this year that did make me cry at the end, which is crazy to say in a Godzilla movie. <laughs> Like when I came home and my wife's like, oh, what did Godzilla die? I go, no, it had nothing to do with Godzilla. It's a fucking great movie. It's just a really good movie. The special effects are the best I've ever seen for a Godzilla movie, period. They are incredible. And this is not a high budget movie. It's about $15 million, which is big for it's a Japanese production. And that's an expensive Japanese movie. They don't spend a ton of money on their movies. The effects are it's the best looking Godzilla you'll ever see. He really feels like he's there in the moment and this and again i'll just reiterate that the story is incredible godzilla minus one is my number five for my top five horror movies of 2023 i wish i could place a different opinion on this one i haven't seen it yet i've been trying to get to the theater to see it i've just been so busy with my regular work that i haven't had time but i've heard nothing but good things and i don't have it on my list because i haven't seen it but i do look forward to seeing this i'll be honest i'm not a big kaiju fan i'm not a big Godzilla fan, King Kong, Mothra, none of that really does much for me. I've never been a massive fan, but I've heard so much about Godzilla Minus One that I actually do want to see this. So I'm pretty excited to eventually sit down and watch this. Maybe that'll be on my best mist of next year because I haven't seen it yet. So heard nothing yeah, but good, good things. The, the good news, Damon, is you don't have to be a fan of Godzilla to like this movie. Like, it's not really that kind of movie. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It, 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 it skirts expectations different what you would expect from a um, Godzilla movie, which I appreciate because I'm not a big Godzilla fan, if I'm being honest. All good. My number five horror film, best horror film, was probably, and this was also on the whole surprising list. This is why I didn't put it as my surprise because I had it in my top five. A film that I went into not even knowing if I would enjoy it, honestly thought I would walk out not enjoying it. Not only did I enjoy it, I loved it, and it gave me my best performance of 2023. That is Infinity Pool, Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. It is a weird, twisty-turny, sci-fi horror spectacle that is like an acid trip at times, which I'll be honest again, I'm not always the biggest fan of these kinds of movies. But when I walked out of Infinity Pool and then we reviewed it on the show, I think I said it like 10 times on the episode where I'm like, I can't believe how much I like this movie. Like, it was just really genuinely original and surprising and a lot of twists and turns I didn't see coming. The performances were great. As I mentioned, Mia Goth was incredible. Alexander Skarsgård was solid. The whole cast was great. And just a really original, different story. And I always applaud originality and horror because while I do love the tried and true formula that works, especially my favorite genre slasher, this was a film that totally twisted and turned and I didn't see it coming. 
It's a great movie. Great. It, it's there's a lot of like philosophical questions in it, which, you know, I love because I'm, a you know, an art weirdo. Um, and it's Brandon Cronenberg, who's from horror pedigree. He's David Cronenberg's son, and he's turning out great movies. I think I think his other movie like swept the Fangoria Awards the year it came out. Uh, Infinity Pool, good on all levels. Well, well made movie leaves you asking tons of questions in a very good way it's like it's great like that's the kind of movie like i would have got out of that movie and gone to like a coffee shop or something with my friends and just talked about it for hours it's a really really good very very interesting movie that is that premise is genuinely like horrific and and you know kind of kind of sticks you in your seat going fuck that's kind of crazy yeah again didn't see it coming and i I, maybe i'm judging it on a bit of a curve because when i went in i was like this is gonna be a weird fucking i don't understand what's going on here art house movie this is something patrick's gonna love and i'm gonna hate (laughs) and we're gonna talk about like men when we did that film last year uh no i was blown away not only did i understand it but i was shocked how well done it was and i really enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to whatever brandon cronenberg does next Um, 100 percent number four for you patrick what is your number four horror film of 2023 this was it started to get tough right around here. It started to get tough to figure out what was going to come into play. But my number four horror movie of the year was the angry black girl and her monster. I had a chance to see it at South by Southwest and I was not able to. It was hard to get tickets to certain screenings. There was a, it was a weird like kind of lottery pool you got to get into to get screenings and I missed it. My friend went to go see it and he goes, I fucking hated that movie. That movie sucked. It was like the worst movie I've ever seen. Turns out my friend hates horror movies. So I was like, I think I need to watch this. I ended up watching it when it came to Shudder. And I love it. And I love it because it kind of is a throwback to the 80s, early 90s, where kids are at the center of fighting against evil, um, which is something you and I grew up with. We just expected kids to be able to take on evil. There's something about that. And these kids are very young. I think these are like teenagers, but still. Um, so it, it was very it's a very um modern take on frankenstein and uh i love the premise i love the characters i love the setting which it takes place in a, in a black neighborhood um it's just something that i don't have a lot of reference for i did grow up in a black neighborhood but in a different time in a different place and this was talking about the here and the now and so i got to learn a lot i got to i got to experience new things and new perspectives and also just it, it's just a great movie that keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire time so uh, i i had to give it my number four spot it is a take on the frankenstein story more or less um i had yeah. not seen it until you mentioned it i'd seen it on shutter that it was um out there and i heard good things about it also i assume the friend who doesn't like horror you're no longer friends with him i'm guessing that's probably <laughs> what happened uh <laughs> i just i just know how to take his horror advice that's yeah. for sure uh yeah i actually did see this one after you mentioned it and i really enjoyed it it was a fun movie I, i'll you know not to bury the lead here it was it's going to be on my honorable mentions list did make my top five but it was a really fun inventive creative take on this and there's been so many reinventions of that genre whether we're talking of that film frankly Frankenstein is such an iconic story. There's a million. There's a new one coming out next year written by Diablo Cody, the writer of Jennifer's Body, called Lisa Frankenstein. They're literally remaking mm-hmm. in that version. So it's been redone a million times. This was a really wholly original story, though, which I enjoyed. Um, so, yeah, I agree. This was a great movie. I really did dig that. And that's that's on my on my uh, honorable mention list um, for me. Number four. This is where it got a little tougher because I was like. 
do I want to go with a film that really totally surprised me and I didn't see coming, or do I want to go in? Do I want to pick a film that actually lived up to expectations? I decided to go to the latter, and my number four best horror film of 2023 is Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. Didn't reinvent the wheel. Nope. It's a slasher. It's a classic slasher. And it lived up to every last expectation I had. It was br- it was brutal. It was more brutal than what I expected, if I'm being honest. Like, I thought they were actually going to tone it down slightly. No. <laughs> brutal. Some of the best kills of the year happened in this movie. Performances are great. Patrick Dempsey's well-established. Gina Gershon. The cast is great. This is a film that was 16, 17 years in the making based on a trailer that came out during the Grindhouse double feature in 2007, of all things. And Eli Roth finally decided, you know what, let's just make this into an actual movie. It was one of the most fun times I've had at the theater this year. It was it was everything I wanted it to be. It was everything I needed it to be. I love a good slasher, well-documented, and this film did that for me. It was new, which gave it a little bit of a bonus boot, but you know, it wasn't a little bonus bump. It wasn't a, um, a sequel or anything. They are making a sequel, which by the way, I mentioned this to Eli Roth on, on Twitter, on Instagram. I've thrown it everywhere. I don't want credit. I just want you to use it. When they do the sequel, that's going to come out in 2025. You got to title it. I know what you did last Thanksgiving. I'm just saying that's my title. I'm sticking with it. I really enjoyed this film, Patrick. It was just a blast. It was just a blast to go to the movies and see a great slasher. It was a pure slasher. I think because I think of, you know, we could easily say, okay, well, what about, you know, Scream this year? Well, Scream, Scream is reinvented the slasher. Scream is a meta slasher. It's it is different. It is it is its own genre of slasher. Thanksgiving was not Thanksgiving harkens back to a Friday the 13th, to a, a bloody, uh, to, to, to the, uh, why can't I think of the Christmas movie that I'm thinking of? Black Christmas. Um, Black Christmas, excuse me. Yeah, Halloween. Like, it is true to the slasher roots, and it even has a touch of what we talked about, the late 90s, early 2000s, angsty 90s teens roots, um, which I think is just Eli Roth sort of uh, 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 interpreting Gen Z and seeing how they are kind of a little more sulky and sad, but it, it, it sort of bounced back to kind of feeling like the 90s a little bit, like the 20, 20 year cycle came back around. But it's a pure slasher. It's not it's not trying to be something different. It's not reinventing the wheel. And it delivered because Eli Roth is a is a scholar of horror and he's also a gore whore himself. So everything in this movie goes hard. And it, it, he just he decided to make a slasher based on his absolute love of the history of slashers. And it paid off. It, it paid it paid dividends. It was a great movie. He made a 2023 slasher that was more brutal and a true R rated horror film. And just again, it checked all the boxes. It didn't need to. It, all it needed to do was check all the boxes. And it did that. I know that sounds like I'm setting low expectations, but that's what I want. And it delivered. Yeah. I that's had a few quips with it, but they weren't they weren't the kind of they're the kind of quips that exist in every single slasher <laughs> from the 1980s. It's like if I, I'd have to complain about all the slashers and I'm not about to do that. It delivered on what it's supposed to deliver on. Yeah. Number three. We're now in the top three. It's getting close here, Patrick. What is oh. number what is number three for you? Best horror film of 2023. Number three, Damon, is Evil Dead Rise. 
I loved this movie. It was a wild ride. And I've seen it a couple of times because I got to saw it first. Uh, I got to see it first at South by Southwest uh, with the filmmakers and the actors. Uh, Sam Raimi was there doing panels. It was kind of fun. There, there was a lot of like very fun, emotional buildup in that crowd. But then I went and got, uh, I got to see it with a regular crowd in the theaters and the feeling was still the same. This movie goes hard. This movie shows you that the Evil Dead franchise can exist outside of its parameters. It does not have to be a cabin in the woods and it can still go hard as fuck. When when kids aren't safe in the movie, you know shit's about to go down and a lot of kids die in this movie. <laughs> a lot of kids horrifically they die. <laughs> yeah, they die horrifically. Um and the kids that do get away, I'm not convinced aren't going to be completely catatonic within 24 hours. Like it's fucking brutal. It's a brutal movie. And I remember the initial watch at South by Southwest, I thought it was almost kind of fun and lighthearted a little bit. The second watch I was like, "No, this movie's fucking dark as shit." Yeah. This movie's hardcore and brutal. And one of my friends was like, I was sad afterwards because of just how hard it goes. It goes really hard on this family. And uh, and it shows that the deadites are here to say. It takes a film that you feel like you kind of figured out what Evil Dead was. Even when even with Fetty Alvarez is kind of reimagining in 2013. Yeah there was still a certain formula that was followed. Now that's not a bad thing. You and I love that no. movie. We reviewed it just to Great be clear. Movie. When I say following, it's just like what I said at Thanksgiving, following a formula isn't a bad thing. If you do it right, Fetty Alvarez's 2013 film follows a certain formula goes beyond it, but does what you need to do in an evil dead film. Evil dead rise is also my number three horror oh, film shit. of 2023. Totally unplanned. When you said that's like, damn, talk about timing. It is my number three film as well, for all the reasons you just said. As I mentioned earlier, I'm not a huge Evil Dead fan. I enjoy them. I watched Evil Dead 2 this year. I still enjoy it. It's still a fun movie. Army of Darkness is goofy and dumb and funny, and I enjoy it. But again, it's not a film that I'm like, oh, man, it's on my pantheon of all-time great horror films. Evil Dead Rise, we ranked them when we did the podcast. Evil Dead Rise is my favorite Evil Dead film. It blew me away. It is so original, so fun, so brutal. The characters are great. The performances are off the charts. And it, even though it, again, talking about checking all the boxes, it checks all the boxes of an Evil Dead film. You got the Deadites. You got the really horrific kills. You got the weird possession scenes. You got some, all kinds of weird things happen. But you, you actually have characters I care about, which was a big deal in this. Well, not that I never cared about Ash, but it was a different feeling with that film. Yeah. Characters I care about. Characters I actually wanted to survive. I was like, man, I don't want this. Well, that didn't happen. Fuck. Um, it is It is so brutal and so relentless. And is once it gets going, man, it does not stop. And yeah, it's just, it is, a, it is an incredible piece of filmmaking. And I was really blown away by Evil Dead Rise as a, as a not, I would say, I would call myself an Evil Dead, um, outlier enjoy it right. don't really you know not when it comes when the new one come, when new ones come out i'm not like oh my god i have to go see this on opening day at the 8 a.m showing like i would some franchises i'm just like yeah cool we'll go see it and i was stunned by how good this movie was and Alyssa sutherland um who plays the deadite mom who gets she gets she gets uh infected by the deadites and she's the mom of the children she almost made my best performance she was a candidate up there um, and I almost 
I almost picked her as best performance because she really fucking sells the shit out of it. Uh, it's an incredible physical and emotional performance that uh, I absolutely loved, man. This this movie, I remember my, my buddy sitting next to my buddy who's a huge Evil Dead fan. And when you're a huge fan of a franchise, a new take in a very new direction can go really wrong for that person. I turned to him right after it and he goes, that's fucking amazing, right? <laughs> like, I'm not crazy. That was fucking amazing. I go, yeah, that's a fucking amazing movie. It was yeah. fun. It was it was awesome. It was just a really, like I said, I was walked to the theater. I walked out of the theater going, wow, that was really fucking good. Like, that was a really yeah. good movie. I've seen it a couple times since then. It's been on cable. Mm-hmm. I've rewatched it a couple times. Still enjoy every second of it. Yeah. Patrick, we're down to the final two. Oh, oh Damon, I'm nervous. So for you, Patrick, what was the number two horror film of 2023? Damon, I'm pissed the fuck off because I had to pick between one and two. I was going to cheat and and literally make two films my number one because I was like, how am I going to pick between these movies? Because I'm very passionate about my top two films. I think they're the they're the two best of the year. But my number two. Oh, because I'm mad to say it's number two, because I feel it's just as legitimate as a number one film. And that is Damien Rugna's When Evil Lurks. This movie says, fuck you. And it goes hard. And when it and, and it's. It's beautifully made. It's gory as shit. It's stress inducing. The panic never stops. The the fucking the the insanity never ends. It gets worse and worse and worse until the end. And I mean, no spoilers, but if you haven't listened to our review of it, it gets even worse. <laughs> it just keeps getting worse. And it's done in a really great way. You know, like I don't, I, I'm going to say this. Like I love Terrifier too. But it's it certainly leans into like 80s cheesy horror and you love it for that. But it goes and goes and goes and goes harder and harder and harder. That's kind of what you get into Terrifier for when evil lurks is kind of on the other end of the spectrum where it's like this could have played as an exorcist believer. It could have been kind of a prestige marquee movie. It played in that more. It plays more in that space with interesting stories and characters and and things that are, are certainly more grounded but it keeps going fucking hard and is like if you were upset about the last thing just wait i'll upset you again <laughs> i'll find a way to get you upset again damien rugna has maybe has he blown his wad damon because <laughs> how do you make a movie how do you as a filmmaker make a movie better than this next time what what I what was really fascinating about When Evil Lurks that I really enjoyed is, as you said, it goes hard. It goes very hard, and everything continues to escalate in this movie from bad to worse, and then from worse to fucking horrific. What I also really enjoyed about When Evil Lurks was the originality portion. This was the year of possession, Patrick. This was the yes. year of possession films. Whether we're talking about Talk to Me, we're talking about Evil Dead Rise, we're talking about um, Exorcist Believer, and, of course, When Evil Lurks. When Evil Lurks is a possession movie. It's ultimately a possession movie, but it is unlike any other possession movie you've ever seen or maybe will ever see again. Credit to Damien Rugna, an Argentinian filmmaker who is quite brilliant, and this film does explore a lot of themes and atrocities, or I don't say atrocities, a lot of uh, inequalities that are carried Mm -hmm. out in his home country, and he puts them in his films. I didn't know what to expect. All I had heard was one reviewer was so shocked and disgusted, but disgusted in a good way. Like 
I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night disgusted like kind of things yeah. that happen in this movie and I was like damn I gotta go see this and I saw it in the theater and I walked out and I was like yep that lived up to expectations certainly didn't see that um yeah it, it it is it is a relentless brutal movie that still has manages to actually have a truly wholly original story good performances executed particularly well and sign me up for the Damien Rugna fan club I want to see everything he does yes I really do. And mythology, by the way, like there's a there's a sort of baked in possession mythology that is like wholly new. It's a completely new way into possession that I had never thought about before. And and like they kind of live in this world where the rules are kind of already understood, but it's so grounded and just so brutal, man. I mean, just an unflinching movie. And I'm pissed that it is my number two because it makes it sound like I thought something was superior to it. That's not the point of the rankings, but I had to put it somewhere without cheating. So I put it at number two. Yeah, they they live in a world where the possessions that happen in this movie are known. Like people know about it. There's no you don't have to spend half the movie learning the rules. People, yeah. people and you don't much, have people going, well, that's not a thing. It yeah. is a thing. And everyone knows it's a thing and they're reacting yeah. to the thing. And I appreciate it that you just it's like it's like I know this is a weird comparison. It's like how when they read when they finally kickstarted and did a new Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, they're like, we're not going to do the fucking radioactive spider biting. Again. Everyone knows that story. Let's just move on. Uh, you know, James Gunn is doing a new Superman movie. He's like, no, we're not going to show him crash landing in Krypton and being raised. But we've seen that a million. You know who Superman is. You know how the fuck he got here. <laughs> Same kind of thing here. They're just like, you know what? We're going to go into this movie and you're going to learn along the way. And these people already know what's going on. Yeah. Fucking great movie, dude. It is. Really? Like, like just it, 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 it belongs up there with all the great horror movies that have ever been made you know i don't know how big that list is but but when evil when evil lurks belongs on it so my number two film and this is i'm going to just go ahead and spoil my honorable mentions a little bit here because when evil lurks was the film that i could not i did not want to leave out of my top five but i did only because i wanted to highlight infinity pool because that is a film that not only much like we need alert surprised me but i went into i went into infinity pool thing and i'm gonna walk out not enjoying this movie it was such a weird mind fuck of a movie and i be I, you are an art house goon you embrace your art house goonness um, right i am not and when i went in you know certain movies i walk into it i'm just like yeah here we go this is gonna be that fucking patrick movie uh <laughs> it's gonna confuse the shit out of me and i'm gonna walk out pissed off that's how i left infinity pool or that's how i went into infinity pool came out being blown away and so i had to put that in my top five and it kind of bumped out when evil lurks because as great as it was and i loved it Somewhere a sacrifice had to be made. So that's why I highlighted Infinity Pool. So my number two horror film of the year, and this was honestly flip-flopping with Evil Dead Rise for number two, is Scream 6. Mm. Um, The more I've watched Scream 6, and I've now seen it like four times, I just enjoy it that much more. And the aspect that Scream 4 gets right, that I enjoy so much... Let me reiterate for like the ninth time on this episode, I hate, 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 hate what they did to Nev Campbell, that they didn't want to pay her what she's worth to get her to come back. The blessing in disguise of that terrible situation that I 1000% do not agree with. Pay her the money to quote to to quote the great uh, John Malkovich and Rounders. Pay her, pay that woman her money. <laughs> Just to be clear, 
But the necessity of pulling Nev Campbell out of that film and reworking the movie paid off in such an original way because you and I, if we had one, the one concern I had when Scream came back with Scream 5 was how are you going to continue to work in these legacy characters and bring in new characters we actually care about without just playing the fan service button over and over and over again. And they did a little bit in Scream 5 and there was a couple missteps in that movie. Scream 6 moves beyond that. And the main crux of our story really has nothing truly to do with Sidney Prescott, Billy Loomis, the original, you know, there's references and things like that. There's even a freaking museum built in the movie with homages to the entire history of actual, you know, the, the quote unquote murders that happened in, in the screen movies in the real life. But this film was brutal by scream standards, a lot of blood. One of my favorite lines of the year was the opening, which jumped around a lot there was a murder a high profile character gets killed at the beginning and you think okay here we go but then that's not where it stops because then you realize that there's actually another killer and this this kid was basically obsessed with movies and he was making his own stab film in real life he gets attacked by the real killer in scream six and he goes well, what about my movie and the scream killer goes fuck your movie and cuts him <laughs> and kills him. That's when I was like, shit, this is on like, this is on now. And it just keeps going and keeps going. And it's just, again, for a film that's six deep for this one to be as good as it was, it has no business being as good as it was. Scream six is how Patrick Guerra would make a scream movie. Uh, as somebody who's not a diehard fan of the, of the series. And I don't, not against the series, just not, just not, it, it isn't something I live and breathe. That's how I'd make a Scream movie is, is Scream 6. Uh, I, I would change the location. I would change the characters. I would go for more brutal kills, more, you know, the, the kills in, in this movie are, they're very different. It doesn't feel like the franchise kills at all. It feels like somebody's out there to really punish and hurt in a very real hardcore way. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. I don't know if I enjoyed it more than Scream Five, but I I can tell you this: I didn't I didn't like it any less for sure. I was like, yeah, this movie fucks around. Now, plus, I'm biased. I like New York City, so you set something in New York, and you're probably going to have my attention. And that's also the setting was a big part of it. I loved that they changed the setting, and also like you're thinking about a slasher, like it has to be shrouded in mystery, and you have to you know go after kids abandoned on a farmhouse somewhere, like they do in all the Friday the Thirteenth movies or on a campsite or whatever. No, they're in the middle of New York City where there's a billion people walking around. The fact that you can yeah. pull that off and actually make it scary is is a is is a huge feat. Um, so that's why Scream Six landed at number two for me. It is now time, Patrick, for our number one horror film of the year. I don't know your answer, but I have a feeling it's the same film for me. I'm just going to go ahead and just, you know, spurt it out there for my number one film. I have to imagine it's yours as well. I'll give you the floor. The best horror film of 2023 is. The Exorcist Believer. No, I'm kidding. Um, you just best. ruined my day. What are you doing to me, Patrick? <laughs> no, what are I'm you doing? <laughs> the best movie of 20, the best horror movie of 2023, without a doubt. And I don't even know if Dame, Damon, if I'm wrong, then, then I clearly don't know you. The best movie of 2023 for Damon and myself is Talk to Me. 
the Philippou brothers out of Australia, a couple of knucklehead YouTubers made the best horror movie by far of the entire year. Damon, I got to see this way back at South by Southwest. I know that keeps coming up, but it's important. I didn't know what talk to me was back in March. I had no idea. I hadn't even heard of it. I'd heard rumblings of it or anything. Me and my buddy were just like trying to get into some other horror movies, which by the way, were very talked about this year and sort of faded away. They didn't end up making the buzz that they thought. And there was this talk to me movie and we go, Oh, let's check it out. And this is after we'd seen evil dead rise, which was of course the darling of the festival. It was a big, big movie, big, big Hollywood movie playing at South by. We sat down for talk to me. And it just keeps going. It just keeps reinventing the possession genre. It just keeps reinventing what horror can be. And the lights come up and my friend looks over to me again. This was the Evil Dead fan, the number one Evil Dead fan and goes, I think it's the best movie here. I think it's without a doubt the best movie here. And I go, there's no question. This is the best movie, the best horror movie you could see all year long. I think when we did our review of it, which was actually a two part review because we did a pre spoiler and post spoiler review because we got to see it ahead of its actual release. You and I, it was the only it was one of two movies you and I got to watch together this year. Um, This movie is like Euphoria, the horror movie, <laughs> and you and I both like Euphoria, the TV show, but it's like you're watching Gen Zers go through horror. So now you and I are and I said this in our podcast we're we're watching the next generation of horror storytellers come out and that's really exciting me as the old fart <laughs> is excited to see what the new generation can show us for horror and talk to me showed us that you ain't seen nothing yet talk to me was in my opinion the most original horror film of the year it took a totally different um, direction at a possession film and turned it on its head. You and I talked about this when we did the review that a big staple of possession films is religion. And I get it because it's always a demon or a, or a devil possessing. I get it. Whether you're religious or not, that's a big part of it. And you know what? It works in evil dead rise too. I mean, that's a possession where it's an evil spirit in inhabiting a body we get it like that's what possession is that's what when evil lurks is like they don't really hammer you over the head with religion but there's still a religious aspect to it even though that's also a really original take on possession yeah talk to me does none of that they're not talking about you being possessed and you need a exorcist or power of christ compelling you or any of that the performances are great but the originality is what really blew me away in this film. And that's also going back to last year. One of the reasons I enjoyed fresh so much, a film that's on Hulu was it was a little bit comedy, a lot of horror, but something I had never seen before. Something totally different in my opinion. That's what this film was to me. And you can see, if you can see it right over my shoulder, if you're watching this on YouTube, I have to talk to me hand that should tell you how much I love this movie. Um, when I saw it in July at, at San Diego Comic-Con, we were in the top row of a theater watching this movie, and we had one of the Philippou brothers, Michael Philippou, sitting two seats down from us, which is a bit of a nerve-wracking experience, because you're like, I really hope I like this movie, and I'm not like halfway, I'm not snoring or halfway through the movie going, fuck this movie. Like, if David Gordon Green was over there, he would have walked over and punched me. That's like, I know that's what happened in, in, in his movies. So it's a little nerve-wracking. We watched it, and I was like, Damn. 
that was a really fun original film. And then when it came, and then like two weeks later, we were reviewing it again. I saw it in the theater. I went to the, paid my money to go see it in the theater to support it, watched it again. And then it came out on 4K in October, and I watched it again. Not only does it hold up, this is a film that will end up becoming a comfort movie for me. I will watch this movie over and over and over and over, and I will recite this movie. I will enjoy this movie. Here's how much I enjoy Talk to Me. You're going to laugh at this one, Patrick. Here's how much I enjoy Talk to Me. There's a scene early in this film where Mia, the lead character played by Sophie Wilde, is driving with Riley, her best friend's little brother. She goes and picks him up, and she's driving back. And they're screaming a song together in the car, almost like carpool karaoke. And I was like, that's a really catchy song. I didn't know what it was. Now, come to find out, it was a really hugely popular song by an, <laughs> artist, a named, pop hit. <laughs> by a, an artist named Sia. And the song's called Chandelier. Now, she's from Australia. They're Australian, the, the filmmakers, Philippi Brothers. I'm a metalhead by all accounts. Not saying I don't listen to other music, but by and large, I'm a metalhead. Chances are, if you know, you're going to see me at a Meshuggah concert or In Flames or Motionless and White or Bad Omens, one of my favorite bands, or that. I'm a metalhead, okay? I don't always get outside to hear other stuff. So I had never heard the song Chandelier. It got so infectious in my head and I had it on replay so much that it actually ended up being one of my top songs on Spotify <laughs> because I listened to it. I was like, this is such a catchy tune. And my girlfriend mocked me relentlessly. She's like, you never heard of Chandelier? I was like, no, I had no <laughs> idea what this song hit. was. I had no idea what this was. And so it ended up being like my top 20 songs on Spotify this year because I'd never heard it. And I listened to it a bunch because it's in Talk To Me. It's such a catchy tune in Talk To Me. This film is a home run on every single level. It is well acted. It is well written. It is wholly original. Um, it goes hard. And I said at the time we did interview the filmmakers on this podcast, just to be clear and open about it. And they did not pay us. Nobody paid us to not talk about this movie. Not at all. We actually were like, we we're like, oh shit. We, we, better, <laughs> we were like, oh man, I hope this ends up being like a movie we can talk about positively because we're going to have these guys on the show. Ended <laughs> up, we loved it. Um, but this is a film that made me immediately, not only fans of this, this film made me a, f a fan of the filmmakers, the Philippi brothers. I'm like, I'll see anything they do next. There is going to be a sequel called Talk To Me, which I love. Um, that was the suggestion actually passed out at San Diego Comic-Con. We were in the panel with the Philippi Brothers, and someone on the microphone was like, I have a title for your film. How about Talk To, the number two, me? And they're like, oh, shit. Then they announced it, and that's actually going to be the title, Talk <laughs> To Me. Um, this film was great. It's just everything. It was it was dramatic it was well acted it was original great script great performances great execution from top to bottom this was an a plus film great 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 and it actually the the other song from the movie from the from the um from the montage became a viral hit oh it's it like, is yeah it's on everything tiktok youtube instagram everybody's using that song and it came from that movie. So you've heard the song. Yeah. And it, if you've never watched the movie, you know the song from the movie because it literally plays in everything. 
we didn't nail down like we didn't get into specifics of like favorite everything in this year if i had a favorite scene of 2023 it would be the montage scene from talk yeah, to me it's great uh which and we it's talk- just kids having fun by yeah, the way they're getting possessed and being goofy um and we mentioned i mentioned that to the philippi brothers when we had them on the show i said that was my favorite scene i loved that scene that montage scene which was actually one of the more difficult shots they had that scene because their director of photography said, there's no way we can do this. And they're like, yeah, they're, they're, uh, their assistant director, yeah. I think they had 80 shots to get done in one night. And they yeah. go, it's it's mathematically impossible. Philip Brothers said, just give us the set and we will we will figure it out because they're they, they've been on YouTube for years making their little movies. And they're like, I, we have this in our heads. Just let us do this. We'll get it done in six hours. They got like 80 shots done in six or eight hours or however long it took. And it is the most one of the most memorable parts of the whole movie. They're like, just let us cook, man. Let us cook. And boy, did yeah. they cook. It was pure fire. That film. It, like I said, when I rate my top films of 2023, which is different from horror. I still think talk to me is going to be right there at the top. Like it is such a fun original movie. And the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. And I can't wait. I can't wait for the sequel. I can't wait to see what they do next. I can't wait to see street fighter. They're doing a street fighter movie way into that. Yeah. I'm all about it. But this was, again, I think everyone who listens to this podcast has probably seen talk to me. I'd imagine at this point, if you haven't run, do not walk. It is an amazing, amazing piece of filmmaking. I would highly recommend it. And it's number one for both you and I, which says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was a universal number one this year. Cause it just, it subverted everything. Damon, the final girl isn't who you think it's going to be. And does, is there even really a final girl? There's a question to there. They don't run to institutions during this. They are kids who figure it out on their own. They're kids who have fun with it on their own. They just, they get high on their supply. Like it's a whole, it's, it's a great, great entry into new ways to show horror. And, and all the old guards should take note. This, this is where the future of horror is going. So pay attention. And you don't have to love it. That's not the rule. Just because it's our number one, you don't have to love it. But you have to see where horror is going. And I like the shape that it's taking. Talk to me showed this is where horror is going to start going because there's a whole new generation of film uh, st- filmmakers and storytellers out there. The future looks bright, Damon. The future really for is. horror looks very bright, and it's because of Talk to Me. And this was the year of possession. We mentioned that earlier. It really was. There's a lot of and a lot of good possession. Even like I said, we both were surprised that Pope's Exorcist was even a modicum of decency, <laughs> and it was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. that was actually pretty decent. Um, but again, going back to the whole religious aspect, there's none of that. They, they totally flipped the genre on its head and gave you something you never saw coming. Yeah, fucking loved it, dude. Still, just what a great movie. Yeah. Let's mention a couple of our honorable mentions here. Let's talk. I don't want to go down a big list. Let's just mention a few of these, and I'll start because, obviously, I mentioned, of course, When Evil Lurks is on my list. That could have easily been number five, and I'll be completely, I'll be completely honest. That one kind of broke my heart to leave it off the list. I mostly switched it because, again, I just, I honestly, I went into When Evil Lurks thinking I'm probably going, I'm probably going to enjoy this. I just don't know how hard it's going to go. Um, I did go into Infinity Pool thinking I'm probably not going to like this, and then walked out loving it. So again, that's kind of why it slipped into number five over When Evil Lurks. I also have to mention Saw X was a movie that didn't make my top five, but I totally again it was my biggest surprise of the year. Again, not a huge Saw fan. The fact 
fact that I really enjoyed this Saw movie, put it in my top three Saw movies, says a lot about how well done this movie is. I also want to mention a movie by the name of Totally Killer, which we did a two-part, we did a, a, a double feature review with that and Five Nights at Freddy's earlier this year. Five Nights at Freddy's sucked like a Dyson, but Totally <laughs> Killer was a really fun, original, goofy horror comedy that was just so much fun didn't take itself too seriously and again no spoiler they they deal with time travel in that movie and one of my biggest praises for totally killer was they don't beat you over the head with technique like how's this work why is this work how does no we're just time traveling it's hot tub time machine we're just going back in time (laughs) fuck it we don't care how we got there we're just gonna get there um i love the simplicity of that and the performances in that movie were great as well so i want to also give a shout out to totally killer how about you what are your on oh and one other honorable mention i want to throw out there uh a movie by the name of suitable flesh which was a movie that stars heather graham and of course one of my favorite all-time scream queens the great barbara crampton it felt i'll tell you the suitable flesh it's not the same but it felt like if um if um oh why am i uh Stuart gordon who of course uh-huh. did reanimator from beyond that kind of movie if him and um oh my god why am i blanking on the guy's name the guy who made um uh he made scarface this is is his bit well, who am i oh, De Palma, yeah. De Palma, brian De Palma. thank you brian De Palma. scarface is a bad example he made dress to kill mm-hmm. lots of movies like carrie much of course. better movies than yeah. scarface <laughs> brian De Palma and um Stuart Gordon. Gordon got together and made a movie that's what suitable flesh is it's a body yeah, horror. it's a body horror it's a twist on your head movie it's erotic uh Heather Graham's in it Barbara Crampton really solid movie and that also deserves to be in my honorable mentions list nice I do need to see that one I still haven't gotten a chance to see it so uh some of the other movies on my honorable mention you mentioned some of them infinity pools definitely on there it could have easily hit hit the top five this year uh saw X totally killer those those are movies that could have could have made the the top five this year uh cocaine bear <laughs> sort of a horror kind of a comedy but like really funny and really fun like i had way more fun with cocaine bear than i thought i was going to have this year scream six i thought was fantastic um megan by the way like megan was like i think our first horror movie of the year and it still stuck with me like how much fun i had watching that movie is it perfect no it's not perfect but it was damn entertaining um so you know like that that's kind of my honorable mentions list i think we have a lot of the same stuff in there yeah, I also want to throw out a spot. Again, it didn't reach my, it wasn't like a top movie this year, but a movie that really did surprise me, a movie called Brooklyn 4-5, which we reviewed from Shudder. Yes. That one didn't see coming. Honestly, it was like, oh, God, this just doesn't, it's not going to be good. And it was actually really solid. I was like, damn, that was a pretty fun movie, like really pretty well done movie. So another one yeah. to throw out there as well. So, yeah, lots of honorable mentions. There's our top five. We have one last category to get to, Patrick, and this is the one that will roll us into 2024, and that is our most anticipated movies of 2024. Are we doing two again this year? We did two last year. Do we need to do two this year? I'll do two, yeah. What are your most anticipated horror films coming up in 2024? Well, uh, right off the top is Nosferatu with uh, with uh, Robert Eggers. Um, we we you and I both love Robert Eggers' films. Um, he had The Northman out this past year that was pretty fucking rad. Not really, not a horror movie at all. Just a rad fucking movie. Um, the Witch, The Lighthouse, which I really liked. Some of these movies aren't necessarily horror, but Nosferatu is going to be a vampire film. 
with Robert Eggers, who has a fantastic track record. I'm very, very excited to see what this movie is all about um, because it's Robert Eggers and it's horror and it's a very classic tale of the vampire. We know he loves to do period piece stuff. So I think it's going to kick much ass. Um, And then my really number one most anticipated film uh, for 2024 is Alien Romulus, which is Fetty Alvarez's take on the Alien franchise. Now, we just talked a little bit today about Evil Dead, his 2013 remake. Call it, we called it one of the best remakes in all of horror history. It goes so hard. It's so nasty. It's so evil. It's so vile. I think giving Fetty the keys to the Alien franchise is a, is a good call. And it's, and it's, I know it's not telling the Ripley story. It's going to be with other people. I have very high expectations for this movie, which we know is dangerous, <sighs> but it's in good hands. Fetty Alvarez delivers. He really does every time out. I, I I fail to find a movie where I go, wow, Fetty, where he's the director, where I said that that wasn't that good. He's a very good director. Yeah, that. So I'm glad you put that on there because it was originally going to be on mine for Alien Romulus. But I said, I bet you Patrick's going to put on his. So I'm going to let it go and not put it on mine only for that reason. And here's why. Because my other most anticipated movie for 2024 is Nosferatu. Um, Robert Eggers is starting to slip into that unmissable category to where mm-hmm. everything he's done has been so good that it kind of scares me a little bit. I've only had one director in my entire life that has yet to ever have a miss in my eyes, and that's Quentin Tarantino, my favorite director. Nine films in, technically ten if you want to count Kill Bill, depending on how you do it. He's yet to make a bad film in my eyes, and I would say you know five or six of Tarantino's films are like top 25 for me all time. I always get a little scared by that because every every director has missed. Martin Scorsese has misses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there are misses in the Martin Scorsese catalog. Robert Eggers hasn't had one yet. Mm. I'm not the biggest fan of The Lighthouse, but I enjoyed it. It's just a film that I don't really think I'll revisit. The Witch is a classic. Love that movie. I just rewatched The Northman the other night. I love that movie. It's a great movie. I am so excited for Nosferatu. And the scary thing about that film is it doesn't come out till December 24th of next year. So we're going to have to do our best of late in the year. <laughs> Thanks, next year. Robert. Yeah, because that's literally coming out the last week of the year. Um, I am so excited for Nosferatu. I can't wait for that film. So that's on my list as well. Um, Alien Romulus was going to be on my list, but I'm glad I left it off solely because uh, I had a feeling you'd go that route, and I'm cautiously optimistic because I love Fetty Alvarez. I love what he did with Evil Dead. This film supposedly takes place between the events of Alien and Aliens, which leaves me a little worried how that's going to work with the Aliens and LV-426. I don't know how that's going to all play out. We'll see, but I do have faith in the filmmaker. Good cast. I am infinitely curious. There's also a TV show coming out uh, from Noah Hawley, who did the Fargo series, who's great. Also did, uh, was it um, Legion, which you and I both really enjoy. I love Legion, yeah. Um, He's doing that TV show, which has Timothy Oliphant and a great cast in there. So I'm curious about that one as well. That's another Alien franchise take. So, yeah, super excited. But my other film that I want to mention, I don't think it's a total shock here. My other most anticipated film of 2024 is Terrifier 3. I am mm-hmm. super excited to see what Damien Leone follows up with Terrifier 2. He's bringing back the entire cast, of course, the great Lauren Levera, who I absolutely adore. Um, I can't wait to see what she does with this film. He's 
it scares me a little bit, which is also why it's on my most anticipated list, because he said he's taking it back to more of a Terrifier 1 feel. And if you listen to our Terrifier review with our friend Sid from uh, Horror Chronicles on TikTok and our own Hello Sydney podcast, I said that I like Terrifier 2 more than Terrifier. Terrifier was fun. Terrifier 2 actually had a story to it, and I really enjoyed it. A little scared, to be honest, about Terrifier 3. Also said at Christmas, that's a little worrisome. I don't know how that's going to play, but that also makes it exciting for me. And so that's why it's my other most anticipated film coming into 2024. So my two, Nosferatu, Terrifier 2, or Terrifier 3, excuse me. I have very high expectations for Terrifier 3. I think it's going to be my favorite of the franchise. That's my bold prediction, is that I will I will love it. And I like, I like the other two movies just fine. But I think it's like Damien has found the sweet spot with with what he's describing with Terrifier three, so I'm very very eager to see how that goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm I haven't even watched the trailer, Damon, which I know sounds sacrilege, but you know why? You know mm-hmm. me. When I don't watch trailers, it's because I don't want to know. I want to go on the ride, and uh, and I and I went in blind for Terrifier and Terrifier two on purpose. I'm sticking to that for Terrifier three. I can't wait for them to shock me one more time. That's exciting. Damon, there's others. There's plenty of other stuff to anticipate in 2024. The Crow is coming back. Okay. That's another one that scares me. I love the Crow. I have a, you, can't, you can't see it on my wall here. I have action figures and posters. I am a huge Crow fan. Uh, when I was a pro wrestler back in my day, my name as a pro wrestler was Damian Draven, which was a take on Eric Draven from the Crow. Love the yeah. Crow. Terrified of what this movie's going to be, though. <laughs> But it's got Bill Skarsgård, and we know he's good. He is good, but they've tried to do this a lot, and no one's been able to pull it off. So I'm hoping, I really am hoping for the best, though. That was also on my short list, but I'm like, God, I don't know, man. Like, this has not worked out well for anybody else doing it, so we'll see. There's also A Quiet Place Day One, and you know why I'm excited about that movie. Um, It's the director of Pig, which was my favorite film of 2019, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, he's directing a new Quiet Place offshoot movie that has nothing to do with the original characters. I'm excited to check that out. There's also a lesser known movie coming out that I think you and I and, and most horror fans would be should at least keep our ear out for. And that's Witchboard, because it's directed by Chuck Russell. And if that name doesn't immediately jump out to most fans, you definitely have seen his work. He is the director of Damon's favorite Friday uh, Nightmare on Elm Street dream warriors that chuck russell directed dream warriors chuck russell also directed 1988's the blob which is a fucking definitive blob like so it's good. the best blob so it's good. incredible yeah and i got to see a little teaser of it at comic-con i went to a panel that he was on and he showed it and i was like yeah i can see i can see the potential in this it's going to be a lower budget movie it's not going to exist on, the, on the, the level of the big movies like alien and a quiet place in nosferatu but it's going to be it should be on every horror fanatics watch list so watch out for Witchboard. that's coming yeah there's a lot of good films like i said and I, there's gonna be more you know i didn't see talk to me coming until it happened and then it ended yeah. up being my favorite film of the year so there's gonna be a lot of films that come out next year that are going to be exciting it's going to be a great year i'm sure uh, even though we kind of talked about there's some mediocrity a little bit in horror in 2023 we still at least for me personally i found what is i think going to be an iconic horror film that's going to stick on like my all-time list would talk to me my favorite franchise scream had a new film so again even on a somewhat weird year where there weren't as many blown you know films that just totally blew me away 
I still was blown away by films. Infinity Pool, I mentioned, you know, all my top five, every film in there kind of stunned me in some way or form or fashion. And I'm super excited to see what comes in 2024. We got lots more coming, Patrick. We got a big year ahead. I think our first new film of 2024 will be the new film called Night Swim. That comes out in early January. That is a Blumhouse film. Uh, that will be much like our Megan from last year. That will be our first new film of 2024. So that's coming soon. It's nonstop though. There's always going to be films coming. We're going to have plenty of classics next year. We're going to have plenty of new films. Uh, cannot wait for another year of rewind of the living dead. Thank you to everybody that tunes in and does these, these best of shows. These kind of turned into some epic episodes over the years. They kind of started out as like, Ooh, let's do a quick little half hour best of. And now we're two and a half hours in talking about our favorite five horror films and all the performances and gore and kills and David Gordon green pissing me off again. (laughs) Can, can (sighs) David Gordon green make it three for three and piss you off next year too? What's he doing? Can he do something else? Just do a different genre, and then I don't have to worry about it on this podcast. People don't be like, oh, is he talking about David Gordon Green again? God damn, let it go, Damon. <laughs> and Damon, should we tease? We have, we have This whole year has been devoid of, of uh, us focusing on one franchise. Last year, we focused oh, yes. solely on Nightmare on Elm Street. It was a fantastic franchise breakdown that we did throughout the year. We're going to kick the year off with some franchise talk damon yes we are shall, shall oh, we explain dude, please explain because i know this is this is what your this is your number one film of all time my, my number one film of all time of all film of all everything is alien and we are going to cover the alien franchise we are not doing alien versus predator so <laughs> shut the fuck up i don't i don't want to hear about it if anybody complains we don't do alien versus predator we're not doing that, but we are covering the rest of the alien franchises. And that includes Prometheus. That includes, uh, what the fuck is the other one? Covenant covenant. covenant. Yeah. Alien covenant. We're, we're going all the way. We're going to go all the way through the good, the bad and the ugly. There's a lot of good in there though. And we're going to kick it off with alien early in the year. That'll be our next coverage for franchises. And that is six films deep, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It's Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus, and Alien Covenant, correct? That's right. right. That'll be six films. And then we'll talk about Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator 2, because I know you like that. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I don't think we'll be talking about those. Um, And, I mean, maybe we can time it for the release of Alien Romulus. I'm not sure when it comes out, but we'll try and time it to maybe get right around there. Um, And and so it feels complete. Well, that will be our franchise to kick things off in 2024. We are going to be talking about the entire Alien franchise, all six of those films. And it's going to be a lot of fun because I'll begin not to bury the lead here. I love Alien. I would say Aliens is one of my top five, six movies ever. Um Love Alien too, by the way. Just saying, throwing out there. But Aliens might be one of my top five, six films ever. I love that movie. I, I literally could quote that. We could do a some. If they lost the screenplay of this movie, you could be like, David, can you recite it for us? I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> I'll be Sergeant Apone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. I just, I we can, we can, we don't need to start talking it out because we won't ever get off this goddamn podcast. Game over, man. Game over. That's all I gotta say. Uh, that's gonna be our franchise in 2024. We're gonna talk about the entire alien franchise it's going to be a blast um a sincere thank you to everyone that tunes into the show that listens to these episodes has a blast with us our podcast has done incredible numbers this year we blew up on spotify blew up a lot of places 
Cannot say thank you enough to our loyal listeners. We have a lot of people who tune in regularly and every single episode. Cannot say thank you enough for putting up with us and enjoying horror along with us. We appreciate that. We have so much more to come in 2024 and beyond, so do not think this is like a goodbye. This is just saying goodbye to 2023. A thank you to everyone that tunes in. As always, as I close out the show, I will say, if you do have questions, comments, movies you'd like us to review, we always love hearing from you guys. We get a ton of messages on Instagram and other places. Feel free to send us a message on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Rewind of the Living Dead. Or if you want to send us an email, we'd love to hear from you there as well. You can send it at rotlivingdead at gmail.com. That's rotlivingdead at gmail.com. You can also find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And, of course, we're still building up our YouTube channel, so just search out Rewind of the Living Dead on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. That really does make a difference. Uh, Even if you watch every episode, we appreciate if you subscribe also. We appreciate it. We don't bombard you with emails or anything like that. We upload one episode per week. That's it. So enjoy Rewinded Living Dead for YouTube as well. And you can also find us on our own personal social media channels. I am at Damon Martin and you are? At Director Patrick. And Patrick, I want to give you the chance here as we close out 2023 as I've been a blowhard here talking for the last two minutes. Anything you'd like to say to the people out there supporting us for another year? Ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between, we love you. We appreciate you. I love getting all the comments. There's people commenting all over our platforms everywhere that we are. We love you. We see you. We hear you. Keep interacting with us. That keeps the flame going. That, that So we know that we're not just blabbing into the void because, boy, could we. Let me tell you something. Damon and I can do this all day, and we do it all day. So we're, we really appreciate hearing from all of you. That means the world to us. Even the negative comments. We're getting to the point where actually there's enough people to know us that we get negative comments now. That's fine, too. I just, I'm happy that people are listening and engaged. It makes, it makes this a great experience for me. I really enjoy it. So thank you to everyone who tunes in. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone. As always, we will see you in the new year in 2024. Thanks so much for tuning in to Rewind of the Living Dead. We will see you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.